everyone. Welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to Pam Durante for episode 220, available in the archives. It was nice, obviously, to have someone new to bond with over Ray. And we have a couple other things in common, and hopefully in the near future, we'll have some more to say about some of that. But for now, I'll just say thank you again to Pam. And you can also watch that video for our conversation at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Follow the show on Facebook and on Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. This week, my guest is Mike Volpicelli. Mike and I were in Shady Grove together in elementary school, and we hung around some of the same people in the hallways early on, but we never really knew each other. In fact, Mike didn't graduate from Wissahickon. Mike's in Florida now with his family, but not too long ago, we became friends on Facebook, and I started seeing some of Mike's videos with his live painting on Facebook. So I asked Mike if he'd be interested in doing the podcast. It almost happened back in the summer, and uh, timing didn't work out for us, but here we are. We finally got it done. I know Mike says that he's an open book, but I do still appreciate the honesty and you know just agreeing to share uh, a lot of this with an audience. So here's my conversation with Mike Volpicelli. Am I doing this right? You're right. You got it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to me. <laughs> I thought I was going to be fighting with this thing for a while. No, you, know? you nailed it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. You drink? What am I drinking? I'm drinking um, whatever my wife had left over from Valentine's Day. <laughs> is, it, is it wine? What's that? Is it wine, beer, mixed oh, drink? Wine, wine, wine. wine. We wine. don't drink beer at this house. Yeah, we don't. I, I got the kiddos. Beer takes up too much room in the fridge, you know? <laughs> I want to match up with you, so I'm going to get some wine. Just enjoy yourself, whatever you want, you know? Have you seen any or listened to any of the podcasts that I've done so far? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've actually listened to quite a few. In fact, uh, Noelle McNaughton, she she turned me on to listening to you. She let me know that you were doing this. She was super excited about it, you know? And, uh, you know, she was telling me, like, and then uh, they, they shared uh, the one you did with Alea. Mm-hmm. And I listening to you guys talk and, like, just, like, kind of like, like how old friends would talk, like I, I kind of, it made me feel like I was getting to know both of you a lot better, a lot more than you, you know that I that I felt like I did. And I I I was, it made me feel good actually because I felt like at the end of it, like okay, maybe I can reach out to you guys and maybe try and reconnect. And I've done that with a couple people from your podcast actually. Yeah. Just because you know, just getting to know people more on a personal level versus like the the expectation I guess that you have when you think about, you know, people from back then, cause like you gotta understand back in, back in high school, especially with a Hicken, those were rough years for me personally. I had a lot of family stuff going on. Like I had a lot of emotional stuff going on. And I remember, um, you know, trying to make friends and having a really tough time with that. And uh, I, I remember getting bullied a lot. So I, I just, I, I, I hated that, you know? And then, you know, after, after high school, you know, I, I feel like I changed a lot and I, I still try to reach out to a lot of the people, talk to them, you know, but I, you know, I always felt like certain people were at like a higher level than, me. you know what I mean? Like when I was younger, I felt like I was like the bottom, you know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, I was just kind of there doing my thing, but I, I never felt like I was a part of something. You know what I mean? I never felt connected. Yeah. And, well, when, uh, when I when first I listen to you guys talk and I hear about that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh my God. 
these people are going through almost the same shit I was, you know? And that made me feel like maybe I could reach out and like, just start talking. And I, I, I did that with a, a couple of people. And I, I feel like, oh, yeah, you know what? We have sparked some good friendships, you know? At least I feel like that. I don't know how they feel. For all I know, they could give a shit. But I well they've I, they've I, all they, happy with it, you know they've I mean? all they've all written me in the past couple of days and they said they hate no. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, you know what's funny, Mike, is is I was thinking about you today and just in I generally just try and think about what are my memories of that person. Um and, and what I really remember about you, and it's funny, like you kind of talked about, you know, being bullied and 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 I go back to a phrase that Pat Novak used yeah. in in relation to like a tv show and he said you know he was he was kind of a nerd so he used the term like freaks and geeks <laughs> yep. and i definitely like if i'm looking back i go i feel like mike was definitely treated like the freak yep no i was you're right and and i, I remember I, everywhere i go <laughs> well I, I, but i, I remember it was all black right i was into this like weird gothy thing and i i i, I couldn't talk to people like i didn't have the words you know what I mean? I was dyslexic, so I was falling behind on my education. So when I looked at other people's grades and I looked at my own, right, I was thinking, well, what the fuck? Right. Why am I doing the hardest that I can and, and screwing up, right? So what I used to do is I remember I, I would act out a lot. I remember being in a computer class one time and learning how to pull RAM out of those computers. So I used to pull the RAM out of the computer just to like show like, you know, these people sitting next to me, ha ha, I screwed the computer, you know, or just, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. so I, uh, I, I, I was a bad kid, you know? And uh, with that being said, it's just because I didn't know how to connect with people. Like at the mm. end of the day, that's what we want. We all want to be able to connect with people. And back in, back in the day, I had no idea how to. Mm. So th that actually, like I said, it got me into this art thing, right? Because when I, 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 today, even to this day, sometimes I have a hard time expressing myself. So what I would do is I would draw a picture, just draw my emotions, draw my feelings, draw the, the inner world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like when I can show that to people, it gives me an opportunity to talk to them on a more equal stage, if that makes sense. You know? Um, so like that's that. Here, cheers. Um, cheers, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I only had a couple like real friends, I think, like growing up where I used to see all the time. I don't talk to any of those guys really much anymore. But, you know, I, I used, you know, I, I, I've lived all over the country. I've lived in Oklahoma. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in uh, Washington State. I've lived in Las Vegas. I, I live here in Florida now. Um, I lived in like five different houses in high school um, just growing up. Like I was all over the place. So where did was, you start? Stable. Where did and you start? It was a hit. Where did you start at Wizahickon? When did you come into the into the district? Oh, I, I went to Shady Grove, right? So I, I thought, yeah, Shady, I thought I remembered you. Yeah. Yeah, I started at Shady Grove. And I remember I used to sit at this desk with uh, Jamie Rosen. And I remember I used to poke and prod at her all day long because I like I had a secret crush on her. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, don't tell my wife, especially. Kill <laughs> 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 both of us. Anyway, um, so I, 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 uh, I, I talked to some, talked to some people there. I became friends with a couple of people like, uh, Mike Roman, whatever. Um, and then I still talk to him on occasion, but mm -hmm. like I said, like, uh, we went to Shade Grove, went to, uh, the middle school, um, went to the high school. And then in ninth grade in the high school, uh, I wasn't necessarily expelled, but it was pretty freaking close to it. So from there I went to Wincote Academy for a year and then I, got, I wasn't expelled, but I wasn't really, you know, I left that one too. I went to Henderson Alternative Program, 
and I did good. So they let me come back to Wincote and graduate. And then from there did a community college over at Monco. And uh, for two years, still couldn't figure out what I was gonna do with the rest of my life and uh, joined the army, uh, was a medic for a little while. It didn't really do anything super duper cool. Um, but then like, while I was there, I just started doing this art thing some more and uh, left, came back from there, went back to school, um, broke my back, uh, sued the crap out of LA fitness, Wow! <laughs> made a little bit of money, started learning about day trading, stock market stuff, you know? And, uh, for the most part, like that's how I support myself is through the art and, and the market, you know? So, um, we make out pretty good with that, nice. but, um, when you uh, were, you go ahead. I'm, well, I'm telling you the entire life story. You asked for a small piece and no, I just keep well, going. Sometimes no, you guys no. tell me to shut up. Thanks Brad for joining me. Podcast is, podcast is good. We did it all. Thanks, man. Thanks, <laughs> Later. <laughs> you mentioned like you were friends with Mike Roman. Um, was that, that was like elementary school era? That was like. Yeah, I think so. I remember was, riding my bike to his house all the time. I was going to say, know? what was like your friend experience outside of the school? Was it neighborhood or. No, no, sort of. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, you know, like I, I had a bike, a bike meant freedom and I had no supervision. So I would just ride. Right. And I would do like five to 10 mile bike rides almost every other day. Right. So I would ride. I, I lived on Norristown Road uh, and Bluebell uh, and this like little cul-de-sac. Um, and then but I would ride from there all the way down to Ambler and I would hang out with people down there from on occasion. I would hang out with Roman, uh, this kid, Pat McGinn, uh, Mike McGee. I don't know if yeah. you know. Those are, yeah, um, I had I had Spanish with uh, with Mike McGee back in the uh, day. Yeah, and yeah, he was uh, a cool guy, man. And I Pat went to Pat went to Catholic school, right? Yeah. And then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then uh, let, let me see real quick. Who else did we hang out with? Uh, like I said, we would run into people all the time in Ambler and like like chill with them. Um, Lori Baldega. I don't know if you remember her. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I worked with uh, Lori. I worked with Lori at Wawa for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I would hang out with them as much as I could. Amy, I, I remember Amy Sheehan. Mm -hmm. um, but like, like I said, when I when I started skipping around with the different schools, I made I made friends in all these different places. Um, but I uh, so I spent a lot of time hanging out in Doylestown. I, I would go down to the city every Wednesday to go clubbing. Every uh, Saturday and Sunday as well. You know what when I mean? When you got like older, I, was, I, I think I started when I was. Uh, I, I wasn't exactly legal. For some of them, <laughs> but you weren't in elementary school going club. Oh no, 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 no! Come on, hey, maybe they could let me. I don't know. Well, well what kind of stuff? Were, what kind of stuff were you guys into when you're hanging out with like Mike Roman and oh, and and oh, Mike God. McGee and those Absolutely. guys? What's that? A lot of smoking. Oh, a lot. And this a is as a, as it a was teenager. an excessive amount. Like if you you know when you go to like Salad Works and they have that giant thing of like lettuce, hmm? it would be like that. You know, and we would just like enjoy, you know, but and it was fun. How was, old are you when this is happening? And then we would watch stupid movies, like the dumbest things. But it was funny because you're high and you're free. And what do you not have to worry about? Life and responsibilities. You know what I mean? They can go fuck themselves, mm -hmm. you know, and it was fine. It was good. But I smoked a little too much. And I remember... That when I did that, like I, I would go to school and I remember just passing out. I would, I did, this is one of the reasons I was asked to leave Winco. My first period, I would show up to school and you would walk in their front doors and there were benches and I had this big trench coat, right? And I used to cover my head 
and I would hide like on one of these benches somewhere where nobody would see me and I would sleep and I would nap. I remember one time I passed out underneath one of the teacher's desks. Right. I'm not even kidding. This is not, there's no joke. Right. And I uh, like, it, it was bad, man. Like I, 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 I would go to school, but I wouldn't necessarily go to school. Like I, I would go hide in the library and go take a nap or whatever, just cause you know, you're trying to let it work through your system. Um, I was a smart kid. So I would, I would usually do well on tests, mm-hmm. but I had never studied. I never actually went to my classes. Uh, I got on truancy. This is all as like a teenager yeah. in high school, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of kid? Oh, you're still asking about. Middle. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, just in yeah. general, which is uh-huh. fine. No, no, it's totally fine. This is this is still great stuff. But I'm just <laughs> yeah. curious in general, like what kind of a kid like you, you mentioned, like poking Jamie Rosen. And were you into oh. art in 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 school? It's like a in like elementary school, middle sure. school. Like yeah, was, was art. I, what I would do. Remember, I told you I, I, I couldn't connect with people. I, I didn't know how to start a conversation. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So I would. I would sit next to people I would want to talk to and I would just be like, oh my God, what do I say? How do I deal? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just nervous, like, like scared to talk to anybody. So what I would do is I would sit there and I would draw pictures and I would keep looking over at them, seeing if I can get them to pay attention to me. Right. And then like, they would look, they would always look over and say, oh, that's good. I remember, I remember another girl I had a crush on, don't tell my wife, uh, Grace Wong. Like <laughs> whenever I saw her, I would pull out, bring out the paper, start drawing because I knew she liked my art. You know, it would be an opportunity to to talk to a girl. Oh my yeah. god! Right, and so um, ah, I I remember that. Uh, let's see. So yeah, I would. That's that's kind of where it starts. So I would draw a lot of like like you you know like back in that when you're that that old. What do you draw? You draw like dragons, and you draw like you know Superman or whatever, and it got attention. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I, I would do that. And then, you know, as I get older, the, the drawings matured a little bit more. What are your memory? You mentioned like being bullied. Do you, yeah. did that happen? Um, was that, that starting in elementary the school? I walked into Shady Grove. Moment I walked in. In fact, I got to the point where I remember I used to come home and like tears. And my mom used to call up the principal and be like, what's going on? Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? And like the principal and I would have to meet from time to time and we would talk. Uh, I would tell him what's going on. And a lot of it would be on like the bus to school because there was like all the, the older kids and I wanted to be cool and I'd try and talk to them. But like, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't know how to connect and I wore like mm-hmm. weird tie dye shirts. And so I kind of stood out and, yeah. you know, I, uh, you know, I just I started picking them, but you know, is it um, because I had similar um, I have very similar memories of like my personality back then. So when you talk about like poking or, um, you know, drawing and kind of looking over, waiting for the reaction, I felt like so much of my childhood was just yeah. wanting reaction yeah. from people. And that's exactly right. That's oftentimes exactly- my problems would be because I would. I would pay attention to other things because I was always looking for a way to get a reaction. So if there's something going on over here on the bus, yeah. I maybe I can be funny. Looking, yeah. make looking back, you were, were you? Dude, you were. Like, Thank I you. remember red shoot or what was it? Red shirt player, like with your rap songs or something. Yeah, I love that, man. I don't know what you did with it, but you need to bring that back. Man. Are you kidding? So I mean, like literally this weekend on the we weren't friends in high school podcast stream. Yeah. Um, I started releasing, it's a little mini podcast series uh-huh. called red shirt player. It's Good. a, it's a, Good. it's a, a quick little podcast, John there. And, Good. uh, it's like a six episode series. that's going to be rolling out on this stream where I'm releasing that music again. Yeah. No, so 
you can get it right now on the podcast stream. You can get the first two songs. After we talk. Yeah. Yeah. You get the first two songs. <laughs> after we talk. Oh yeah. No, absolutely, man. Like you were always a super funny dude, you know? And like, I remember I like when, when I was a kid, like I liked hanging out with you, you know, because I didn't hang out with you much, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I guess, like I said, I was shy. I didn't talk to people. But you used to hang out with some of the same people I, I do. Like, I remember Jason or Tui, like all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you know, um, but yeah, I, I man, it, I, I, it's funny. I look back in retrospect and I keep thinking, I really, I did not live life well as a young kid. Like, I should have done it better. I should have talked to more people. You know what I mean? I should have not been so nervous all the time. Yeah, but you know what? The high school world, it was really hard to navigate. And and you know what? My my strongest memory today when I was, well, I have two memories. Um, one I'll get to, but the, the biggest thing was I remember, it, especially in high school, um, yeah. I remember, you know, I became really good friends with Scott. Yeah. And previously to that or prior to that, I was not friends with Scott. Scott and I were enemies, you know, in middle school. Yeah. And I remember, you know, him being attached to you and we, Scott and I became friends because of his friendship with Ray. And it was yeah. just like Ray being my best friend and yeah. Ray being Scott's best friend. We yeah. couldn't fight anymore. We had to be friends. We had to get over that shit. So that changed in eighth grade. And then real quick. And then ninth grade, um, we, you know, we, we really became friends to where like Scott would come over to my house and, and yeah. it was like a group thing. But yeah. I felt like, um, I felt like, there was kind of a an attitude towards you from me because I think I I think I bought into kind of the hierarchy thing. Like I said, the yeah. freaks and yeah. geeks, right? Yeah. So I think I recognized that, like, especially because I wasn't friends with Scott in middle school. I think the whole like, oh, Scott and yeah, Mike Volpicelli. I know him from Shady Grove, but like, he's not cool. No one wants you know. You don't want to aspire to be his friend. I felt like that was like the real mentality. Yeah. Um, which isn't right, but that's kind of like, that's and happens, that's, man. and that's yeah. the, what I felt was on me from other people. Right. And so it's kind of like going down I mentioned this with like JP, where like you look at people that are under, you feel like are under you because you feel like people are looking down at you from up here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then when I became more friends with Scott, I felt like Scott, Scott's friendship with you dissolved because I don't really remember you. And maybe that's because you left was a Hicken, but I don't really remember no. you. No, it like, was over a girl. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it was over a girl. Because no, I remember. Oh, here, let me, let me, I'll, I'll break it down. Yeah. So me and him, we became buddies. We we're hanging out all the time. Uh, we, when he would, when he would have an interest in a woman, um, sometimes I would have an interest in the same woman and it would be like awkward. And uh, I think it happened like twice where we had a, an interest in the same girls. And then one of them, I actually like, like bought like something for, and he got so mad at me and he's like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And, uh, whatever, man, like it, 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 it you just got to let it go. But, um, after that, we, 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 uh, after high school, we became, was it after high school or, or were we still in high school? We were still in high, maybe. And we became friends again and we would hang out all the time. But then over another girl, like we fought again or had some like weird thing and it, the friendship dissolved again, which mm -hmm. whatever. Like <laughs> you know, in this world, one thing I've learned is that people are going to walk in and out of your life and you just kind of let it happen. You know, you don't really, just don't yeah, you know what? Stuff that's not meant to be. 
But you know what, though? A big part of like one of the things that swirls around my head that was a, yeah. a spark for the show was like, what does happen with those friendships and why those people that you're close with at a certain time, you know, especially, you know, I think with me, I, I, I go back to elementary school where I, I felt like we were all kind of forced to be friends. And I and I felt like once I got to middle school and, you know, the friends that I had specifically, I didn't really have any class with in the pods and, and yeah. didn't have interaction with. So I felt like I was always starting over which I never did very well. I didn't, I didn't start over very well. So I I think I always wonder what happens to those friendships when that happens to you with Scott, are you wondering, like you said, you got to move on, but are you wondering at that young age, that's, that can't be where your mindset is of moving on. You got to be wondering like what the fuck's happening to this friend I've had for years. Sort of. And I'm going to tell you why I say that is I, all right. I, I, I think that I, as I got older, I, I learned a lot of things. One of the things was, especially like my first girlfriend ever in my life, she killed herself, right? She committed suicide. And I remember for years, I held on to that. Like, oh, I'll just blame this guilt. What's going on? Da, 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 da. And then later on, I, I, I remember being in other relationships where for almost years, I would just kind of, you know, feel like some kind of attachment that's holding me back, making me feel horrible. And then what I learned later on in life, um, especially after the military, is, is that when we think about things that cause us suffering, it's usually because we're attached to an idea or a belief or something, right? So what I found is that if you want to get rid of suffering, you just have to break the attachment, right? Or walk away from the attachment or allow the attachment to just kind of come and pass, right? Not necessarily identify with it. So, all right, let me give you an example. So when you're angry, Right. And you start thinking crazy thoughts like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face, blah, 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 blah. Right. A lot of times people identify with those thoughts and they're like, oh, I am this angry, aggressive person. Right. But what what that is, is that's just hormones kicking in, fight and flight responses, chemicals in your body. Right. If you wait 30 minutes that all those chemicals get metabolized and you'll return to whatever your default is. Right. So what's happening in, in, your, in your head is you're having these thoughts and you have a choice. You can either identify with them or you can allow them to come and pass, hmm. right? So when I think about certain people in my past, right, where I think that maybe it's best if I just kind of go my own way, right? I just allow that thought to come in and then pass. But there are certain people, right, who have always been non-toxic. And I'm not saying that Scott's toxic. I'm just saying that my relationship with him as a person and our friendship was. So I need to walk away from that. And I'm not saying that he's like that with all people. I'm saying that he was, that was a thing that happened with us. So what I wanna do is I wanna find a way to, you know, just live my best life, right? And therefore I, I, I might get a thought, hey, what's going on with so-and-so, but I'll allow that thought to come and pass. I won't, I won't attach myself to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I think that, you, what you're saying is very important, which is the most important thing I think in this entire life that we share as people is connections. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how much you kick ass at something. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many times you've been to, you know, different countries, states, whatever. The only thing that matters is, is the connection that you have with another person, right? The feelings that you share with them, the passion, right? Sure. And I think that um, in this life, what we really need to focus on is the people that add a positive, you know, thing to that, or a positive 
aspect to that. So, you know, I, I think about my friends, right, from back in Pennsylvania. And I know, like, for example, um, one of my best friends, you know, back in Pennsylvania, like uh, uh, Mike McGee, Mike Roman, uh, Noelle McNaughton, you know, um, or her, her last name is Furlong now. She'd mm-hmm. probably kill me if she heard me say that. But um, I, I, I think about I think about those guys and every single one of them has added more positive in my life than negative. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out of my way to keep them in my life because not because they're giving something to me, but because they made my life better. And maybe hopefully I can do the same for them, you know, because at the end of the day, right? Like if you really want to judge your life, you have to look at the ripple that you make, right? right? Because you are going to do things that are going to inspire other people. Right. So in what way do you want to touch this world and the people around you? Right. What way do you want to do that? Do you want to do it through a negative thing, just having a fun thing? Or do you want to make a real lasting change? You know, and so like I think about like Noel, for example, when I was when I was about to give up at certain points of my life, you know, she kept pushing me, do art, do art, do art. And when she did that, you know, I, I started to find a voice. Right. She was awesome in that way. And I know that for me personally, there's certain things that I've hopefully been able to do for her to help her as well through some difficult times. You know, I think about with Mike, you know, same deal with Mike, you know, like he went through a lot. And hopefully uh, he remembers me as a person that that's doing awesome to help him out, too. But at the end of the day, to be honest, with you, it doesn't matter. What all, the only thing that matters, like I said, is the connection. And hopefully we have we continue to have that connection like. There's a, um, I, I'm a Buddhist, right? So I, uh, there's, a, there's a meditation that we do um, about the, the last moments of life, right? When you're in that hospital bed and you're not going to get out of that, you're not going to recover, right? What's going to matter then? What's going to matter when your mouth starts drying out because you don't have enough saliva, right? What's going to matter when your chest is too heavy for you to be able to take those last couple breaths, right? Are all the things that you had going to matter? The money, the the fame, the, the whatever. No, it's going to be the ripple that hopefully that you made through connections and strong ones and hopefully the positivity that you leave behind. Does that make sense? Yeah. What you're speaking of though is very advanced thinking that I, I completely agree with. And, yeah. and I, you know, when you talk about like recognizing relationships that are toxic or are, are not, you know, good for you to continue and you need to yeah. kind of make that, make that clean cut. And, and I'm all, I, I do those things now, but when yeah. you're a teenager, you don't know that, right? No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, and so because of that, we had to go down a dark path, you know, for me. So for example, with me, I had a, I was, like I said, I was very much into that goth thing, right? Dressing in black and being like, ah, I'm we were in a trench you. coat. Yeah. <laughs> did, I'm going to get your attention by did, being weird. Did you right? wear a trench so, coat? Yeah, I bought a trench coat right yeah. after Columbine too. Isn't that bad? Oh, you did it after bad. Columbine. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. it was banned. Was so yeah. when did you leave Was a Hicken? I left in um ninth grade. I left in ninth grade. Did you come you came back though at some point, correct? Not to Wiz Hicken. You no. never ever came back? I tried to. It wasn't gonna happen though. And the reason being is um I, I think that people were just really, really uncomfortable with that entire situation. I think that people were more comfortable with uh, people like me in another place, right? Which was Anderson what do you mean? Alberta program and Wincote Academy. When you say uncomfortable situation, what do you mean by that? I mean, there was a lot of kids at the school. There was all this weird, you know, if you dress in black, uh, um, you're a scary person. 
right? If you're goth, right, you're a scary person. Oh, if you listen to Marilyn Manson, right, you must be a devil worshiper. Obviously, never once in my life have I worshipped the devil, you know. But right. <laughs> that's what people would say because I wore lots of black and because mm. I didn't like Christianity or any of that stuff. You know, I wasn't a fan. But I mean, to each their own. You know, if somebody likes it, that's that's your thing. Then you know, as you get older, I think you just learn to re- hopefully respect that. You know, respect each other's differences. Yeah. I think that. Back in Wissahickon, people were looking for kids of a particular type as far as the teachers on who they were going to help and who they were not going to help. And I didn't get help. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true. I had to, I remember in, in uh, ninth grade, I had to do a uh, special like group therapy class with like six other kids that were going through like really traumatic stuff, you know? And uh, I remember, I'm, I'm not going to give names for that, sure. but um, yeah. You know, like I remember I had to go through that. It wasn't really that helpful for me. In fact, I remember talking about my problems in that class and people would be like, what? That's a problem. My problem's bigger than yours. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there was no, there was no dialogue. It kind of helped, you know? And so I, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I, I tried to deal with my own emotional stuff and I didn't have anyone to go to or talk to. Not really. And except for other kids that were suffering through other really traumatic things. You know, like there were things that were happening. And I think that maybe we all bonded over common uh, trauma, to be honest with you. And then um, I remember even even though I was hanging out with a lot of them, it was really hard for me to still find a place with them because some of these some of these guys started going off and doing some really hard drugs. And uh, it wasn't really me. Like I'm not you know, I did. I remember I did acid once. I had a bad trip. I remember that in order to try to get people to leave me alone, sometimes I would make rumors up about myself, about drugs, but I, it was. Is this during, know. is this, is this during high school? Yeah. Yeah. A lot so, of that was in high school. When you're, so I, I have trauma since the beginning, man. Like my, my family was, I, my father was a big time doctor where he had MD PhD. He wrote books. Uh, he dedicated his book to this woman, Brenda, who was cheating. He was cheating on my mom with, you know, uh, <laughs> I remember we'd make long distance phone calls. My mom would see it. She would blame me for making the phone calls. I'd be getting in trouble. I'd be getting treated like I, I'm doing something wrong all the time. Uh, I remember no, you know what I mean? Just like is being ignored in my own house all the time. I remember or some other things. Oh, Did there, you, there, I mean, there was a lot. Some of the stuff I'm not sure I want to mention per se on the thing. But do you have brothers and sisters or sisters? Were you only child? I had two sisters. They were they were. Uh, before my dad remarried, yeah, I had two sisters. Um, I'm 13 years older than my youngest uh, sister. So, I mean, she had a completely different life than I did. Um, my other sister, uh, my, my family used to treat the males different than they would treat the females, you know, but my mother, um, she's got a borderline personality disorder. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, but at one moment they hate you, the next moment they love you, the next moment you're a demon, the next moment you're you're something else. And um, you know, so like it was a lot, it was a lot to do, you know, to deal you're with de- you're sister, dealing I, I, well, go ahead. You're dealing with stuff like that, like in like elementary school. I've been dealing with that since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So when you said you had like no real, no like real parental supervision, that's that's what's going on is is oh, your mom's yeah, my part of my 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 mother would work all day. My dad would work all night, you know, um, when I was home, nobody was really there. So 
I would go out, you know, like I, I literally had no parental supervision. I remember one time I, uh, I was at Wincoat and I, I took some pill that some, some kid gave me because we were like, oh, try this. And I, I went and I did a soccer game because I was on the soccer team. And I came back home and I was so dizzy from this medication that I passed out in front of my doorstep to my house. And I remember my neighbor saw me and ran over and thought that, you know, something was going on and called the hospital and called everything. But like my, this is almost that like, I remember like, where was it? Maybe like five or six o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Like what time do you get off at school? You know, there was no parents, you know, so you know, I did, they didn't get home until much later. And then, uh, like I said, when they were home, uh, my mother was emotionally all over the place. And so there's, you really couldn't, you can't connect with her, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so I just, I would go out upstairs, hang out, or I would go visit friends. I remember one time my mother during a, uh, when I had a dentist appointment, we went down to Philly and while I was at the dentist appointment, getting teeth pulled, she left me in the city. She just, fucking left. Wow. Right? I had to catch the R5 train home. Right. And I, I got to Ambler train station. I'm on medication. My mother just left me in the fucking city by myself. I went to go walk to Mike McGee's house. Cause it was close to the train station. I called up my mother. I was like, where the fuck are you? And she, Oh, um, you need to come home right now. I'm like, fuck it. Fuck no, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. I'm staying right here. And so like, I think it was like at the age of like 15 or 16, I left home with them. And I, I, I remember I like ran away from home. I, I, I slept in, uh, what is it? Duan Holmes, uh, the basement to his building one night from running away from home. How does that you know? happen? I, I you... was just wandering around Ambler and I was scared. And there, I, I saw some people that I knew and they knew Duan and um, they knew that I had problems, but they didn't want to deal with me. So they took off running. Dewan stayed. And he asked me, he's like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know, man. And he's like, hey, I don't know you, but like my building's right down the way. And I'll bring some blankets for you, you know, and I'll, I'll get some food for you or something, you know? And I stayed in his fucking basement. And then the next night, I remember, I, or, what the fuck? I don't remember what I did the next night, but I just remember, I just remember like, that was a weird time, man. That was a really weird time. Like I said, I was house hopping for a while. I ended up moving in with a friend of mine and living with her for almost a year. Uh, I remember living with my grandparents for a couple months, then moving back in with my parents for a couple, and then something would happen and I'd be asked to leave again. You know, and like I said, like while all that was going on, I didn't know how to talk to people, right? I couldn't talk, to, I couldn't tell you how I was feeling. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of thoughts and they they were all over the place, you know? So I, uh, what did I do? Yeah. Like I said, I eventually, I, I remember I, I kind of like gave up on people and Bluebell and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to join the military and I'm just going to let whatever happened happen, man. And then I got in the military and the PTSD kicked in and I, I, I was not very good at my job. I, it sucks, but it is true. And then when I was in there, uh, I just did a lot of art for the military. And that's when the art really started to kick off because uh, and I knew that there was something there, there was something important because I used to do art for my sergeant majors. I would used to do art for my captain, for my unit. You know what I mean? Um, I designed a certificate of appreciation that they would give out to people that were helping out the unit. This right here, this is an award. Wow. This wasn't, this isn't from my unit, but this is from a unit where I did an art piece for them. Um, 
and they appreciated it so much that they sent this to me. This flag was flown in a bomber that was bombing Iraq wow. when, when we were at war with them. You know, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So like here, you can you can take a look and see if you can read that, you know, but that was yeah, that for people that are wait, can you hold that back up again? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Just for people that are listening, Michael Volpicelli, 31 December 2015, 1 December or 1 January 2016, aircraft. American flag was flown in combat over Syria and Iraq on board yeah. a B1B bomber in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. Yeah. There's not a lot of these flags floating around. But like the like that's that's cool, isn't it? You know, That's like really I, cool. I, when I was in the military, I got a bunch of these awards. Like, well, not not a bunch of these, but I did get a bunch of awards. Like, I got certificate or um, uh, commanders coins. Uh, I got what else did I get? Uh, I, well, I just got a lot of notice for doing this, like, you know, for doing the artwork, and that was cool. You know, and then after I got out of um, out of there, and I went back to school, um, I went to Oklahoma State University for college. While I was going to college my sophomore year, I started doing international art shows. I did art shows in South Africa. I've, um, I have, wait a minute, let me see if I can find it if it's still here. Oh, I, have, I must have it upstairs. But I have a, a little trophy coming in uh, first place in, a, uh, in a, uh, uh, an art show that I did in Japan. Um, I did one in, in London, England. Like I got to tour the world. Like It was awesome, man. And uh, I'm hoping to eventually get back to that. But I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, like, I, I think that, you know, like I, I've done uh, Steve Harvey. I've been on his show. I've been on Fox News a bunch of times. I've been um, I've been all over the place in uh, Las Vegas doing shows. Um, so like it, it kicked off, man. It was cool. You know, yeah. so um, I, I think what happens is, is that like, like I told you, I'm dyslexic. Right. So um, reading and writing has always been hard. Um, communicating with people has always been really hard. Um you know, when growing up, never getting attention, never really realizing how to communicate with people in an appropriate way was kind of tough. And even to this day, you know, I'm not the most appropriate person in the world, but <laughs> hey, I have fun and hopefully you do too. You know, hopefully Absolutely. you find it a little interesting. When, yeah, when, but, you uh, were, when you were going through like these, these issues at home yeah. and then I'm assuming you're just kind of coming back in school yeah. the next day, like, like nothing happened, you know, yeah. it reminds right. me of like what Barclay kind of talked about with, you know, she was bullied. She had a, a, a tough life at home um, yeah. and she would go through these things. And then I go, so, you know, what happens after that the next day? And she goes, well, I just come to school the next day. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you just have to like nothing happen. You just have to be one of the kids. Did you ever exactly right. receive any type of help or was there any type no. of like notice of, Hey Mike, mm -hmm. can I help you? Hey, Brad, it was go get a spoonful of concrete and harden up. That's what it was, you know? And it's a funny saying, you know, but when you're a kid, like, that doesn't really help, you know? You know, when I when I was going through, like, all the shit that I would go through and I would get, like, speeches like that, you know, often my reactions were based off of what I felt were, like, injustices on my character, on my person, someone telling me to shut the fuck up in public. And it's like, you can't talk to someone like that. or And, you know, and so I would instigate, but then I would get in trouble because I would be the loudest or the most aggressive, yeah. um, you know, at the, at the end of the altercation. And so I, I would draw the attention, but I always wanted them to fix the problem that instigated it. Yeah. Um, what do you think that is about, do you think, I mean, I guess on your side, do you think that you were, like I mentioned, like I was attention seeking, do you think that you were looked, do you think that your like persona or your person was like frowned upon because you were eccentric? 
Uh, Do you think like teachers? It's a little bit of both, right? So you say frowned upon, but that was from one group, right? So other groups would be like, oh, welcome. (laughs) You know, let's get to know you. By the way, here's pot, you know, or here's blah. So it's a very easy way to fall into the wrong group, right? Mm. Because there's a lot of people, Brett, that suffer from trauma, especially from childhood trauma. And dealing with toxic homes, right? And we all want to be able to talk about it. We Mm -hmm. all want to be able to get through it, right? We all want to try to figure out the answer, right? Like the meaning to whatever this is, right? Our existence. Why, why is this happening to us? You know what I mean? We're all trying to figure that out. So one group, yeah, would always be like, oh, that's the scary kid, avoid him, right? But I was trying to put off that persona because I was scared to talk to you, right? I was scared to talk to others. So I put out, I put out this giant billboard on my body, which was, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scared, right? And I, 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 I want you to kind of keep. Do not that. approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not approach, right? Now, with that being said, some people still approached, and those people we would still find ways of talking. Look, I'm not. I don't think that when I say that I was a bad kid, I, I wouldn't, and I did a lot of bad shit. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find something redeeming, but there's nothing, man. I used to throw raves. I'd have like 400 people at the house, you know, from a, from time to time. I there's people still message me like back when I was in high school, I threw a, I threw a party at our place, right. Where we took half of the shit in my basement. We threw it in a bonfire. The fire turned like green, purple, all different toxic colors. You know, we threw a couch in it while like, like people were sleeping on the fucking thing. Mm. Right. Because like I said, we had a couple hundred people at the house. We picked it up and we we're going to throw it in. Like <laughs> people were waking, like we were crazy. We were doing crazy shit, you know, and I still get people being like, man, I remember your parties, man. That was wild. Like I've never been to something like, like, you know, but um, anyway, I, I would do stuff like that again, like to, to reach out to people. I, I'd have lots of people coming over who never, never met before, but we had lots of pot and we had drinking and we had no supervision. So we get away with a lot of things, you know, you know, it's funny because I think that the, the whole party thing, especially like as it pertains to this podcast, it's yeah, always yeah. so far, it's been linked to the cool kids, the popular kids. Um, but you know, here you are. And I, and it yeah. feels like, you know, one of the questions I always ask is, is in middle school is when I felt like the partying and just the life was so much more mature than, than I was, than a world I was living, or I was even like able to handle. Can you I felt like the, a little bit? Can you go in? Well, like, yeah, yeah. So I felt like in middle school, I, I felt like it started in middle school where every Monday you would hear about the parties that so-and-so had, yeah. the drinking and the drugs uh, that people yeah. were doing, yeah. um, the sex that people were having. And these yeah. were like, you know, I famously kind of talk about as being like TV show plots. You know, this is like what yeah. I was watching on 90210. These weren't things that I was, I, no one in my world, you know, Ray didn't, didn't drink or, or, um, or smoke and, and didn't date. Like my friends weren't in that world. So to hear about these things, and these are things that I think when I look back now, or when I, when I was in high school, you didn't miss out, (laughs) but that's what I felt. If that's where you're going with it, because I did do that shit. It wasn't really that like, it's like, that's the thing though, right? Wait a minute. It's like when you're a kid. And you're like, your friends go to a bar. It's like, oh, there's a bar, right? And like, when you go to those things, it's like, oh, we're at the thing now. Like, it's like, okay, what do we do now? Well, we're going to go stay in our group of friends and we're just going to talk about things. 
So it's the exact same thing that you would have done anyway if you just had some mm-hmm. friends come over and play Xbox. So people talk, oh, you missed out. I didn't miss out shit. Well, like, that's what I guess I'm wondering is like, was yours yeah. like, but you're talking about these parties, right? And all that, right? You're throwing like, and that was just yeah. shit that I didn't. And that's stuff that I think in college, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's my world, you know, yeah. into my twenties and a little bit into my thirties. Like that's the type of just debauchery I love to be around. Yeah. Um, but you were doing it in high school. And then I think it's just interesting because I always related it to the cool kids, the popular kids, yeah. but you know, and I, I'm reminded of like, Cobra Kai, right? I just finished binging yeah. Cobra Kai, where the the kids who were the nerds now are tough karate kids, and they are throwing their own party. They're drinking and all that. So, like, absolutely, we're throwing our own thing. You, we're not invited to yours. We're gonna have our own. We're gonna show you up, motherfucker. So, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna throw something you wish you came to. That's what know? it's so reminiscent, you know. So that it's interesting because it's the first time I've kind of like had I've heard someone talk about that of being like not in the cool yeah. kid crowd. And you know, Ryan Dunn talked a little bit about like you know him and his friends would like have beers or whatever. But like you're talking about what feel you said you were throwing raves. These feel like ragers and and so, you yeah. know the drugs so like, drinking, but you're not in a yeah. But it's not a community of the quote unquote cool kids, right? Yeah. It's your, it's, if it's, uh, if they're up here, you know, you're kind of like the, the underworld of, yeah. of kids and you're all partying. What is, I don't know. It's just a different thing that we've heard that, than we've heard in the past. Yeah, no, I, we, we would definitely, we definitely had our quote underworld. So like, for example, <laughs> like even the nightclubs we go to, we would go to, Oh God, what were the names? Um, well, there was this one called Nocturne um, down in down in uh, in Philly, where Shampoo Nightclub was. Uh-huh. They have a big '80s room. There's a goth room, an industrial room. Everybody wearing black and trying to outdo each other. You know what I mean? Um, we had uh, God, like I, we would. Well, first off, you would go to those things, and everybody was free to do whatever you want. You know, girls would go there with like electrical tape, just and fishnets. You know, that would be their shirt. See, you know that's I mean? the stuff I feel like, like I definitely missed out on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were, like people showing up and like masquerade things and, you know, but like you would meet like, a, like since everybody was so open there, you would meet a lot of wackadoo people there as well. And like, like, for example, there would always be like the old guy at the club, like a little too old to be at the club, mm. just like hanging out, like staring at people. He was a little freaking, he was, he was weird. He was weird dude. And then there was the owner of the club, this guy, me. Patrick, who, me who now. was like his like 40 year old man who was like uh, just hitting on like 18 and 19 year olds, Sure, you know? And like, he, dude was like, a, he was a millionaire plus he had the club so he could get away with anything. And like every week he had a different girl, you know? And um, let's see, everybody knew the DJ. The DJ was called DJ Knobhead. He was, he was a nice dude, you know? And <laughs> uh, let me think, then there was a bunch of other clubs. And what was actually kind of cool is because the scene wasn't huge, when, um, when bands would come from like, you know, from all over the world, from Germany, whatever, they would be at these small little venues. Like, I think it was like the Trocadero was one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that still exists. They um, just closed. Like, yeah, so it would be like these venues with like three, 400 people. And after the show, you always get to meet with the artist. You know, everybody gets to hang out. Lots of times as a group, we would go down to um, South Street Diner, you know, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of like sit back, chill and talk. Like, I remember... Like one of the guys, he's a professor now somewhere in like New York City, this kid Rowan. And um, I remember we would one night I sat down and I tried to talk to him about what quantum physics meant to me for four and a half hours back when I was like 19 years old. I don't know shit about that. 
You know, but say, I'm not what did you? Like, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. What subject are we talking about? I'll talk to you about it. You know what I mean? But like, we would sit back and we talk weird things, you know? But yeah. it would be fun because it didn't matter because you're, you're the free kid anyway. Nobody's going to listen to you that's in the mainstream. Now, with that being said, you know, like, I, th- I think that we all kind of grew out of that. Almost everyone I knew that was in it is not in it anymore, mm. right? I mean, I still listen to the same music. I love it, you know? Um, both of my daughters listen to it, you know, on their own, which is crazy, you know? Um, what kind of so, music are we talking? What, what were you listening to as a teenager? Oh, I, I listened to goth, industrial, metal. Uh, industrial would be my big one, right? So industrial is kind of like, how do you explain it? It's like electronic music where people are banging on metal. That's a lot of that. Like it, it sounds yeah. like that. It's, and it's kind of cool. Like if you want to check it out, I, I recommend everybody. A real good one is V as in Victor, N as in November, V as in uh, Victor Nation. Look okay. up V and V Nation. Amazing band, amazing guys. I've met him a bunch of times, right? Um, Let's see. Uh, bands like Funkervat. Uh, the more German sounding, the better. You know? And this is what you were listening to as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that makes you want to punch something. You know what I mean? Like you listen to it and you, you don't you have no idea what they're saying, mm. you know, because it's all in It would be, you know, it would be, be like that band Rammstein, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Rammstein was bullshit. But like <laughs> the, the music would be similar to something like that. Okay. You know, um, and then there would be more sensual versions of that like bands like wolfsheim or forgiving iris or oh god where are the other ones uh oh my god i think that wine is starting to kick in actually a little bit because i can't remember <laughs> assemblage 23 yeah it's a lot of them lots of them so i never listened to the radio that's another thing too mm-hmm. people always talking about sports and music and you know, my my favorite band is britney spears and mm-hmm. i'm like i I'll be honest with you. I don't even know who the fuck that is. You know, <laughs> that's don't. me now. That's how yeah. I am oh, yeah. now. Like yeah. I, oh, yeah. I famously, <laughs> oh, yeah. I famously have never really heard. I don't think I've heard more than two Taylor Swift songs. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've never, I still haven't listened to Adele. There's yeah. a lot of artists out there that like, unless they, they get like, I don't, I, I don't watch regular TV. So I don't see commercials. I don't listen yeah. to terrestrial radio. So yeah. I don't hear songs like on pop on top 40 stuff. Like yeah. unless it, it's in a TV show. Yeah. You know, that's like the only, you know what I felt, I really fell in love with was, was uh, Casey Musgraves. And I don't even know, she's a country, like a pop country singer. And I think uh, she won a bunch okay. of Grammys uh, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Now the only, I didn't even know it until I, I did a rewatch of this show. But the, the reason I know her yeah. is from the show Yellowstone mm. with Kevin Costner. Okay. It's about a show yeah, and ranchers, but yeah. there's like a, it's a sex scene that's on the show. It's on uh, Paramount Network. There's a sex scene where her music is playing during the sex scene. And I subconsciously was like, oh, I love that song. And I got that album and I didn't know it until about eight months ago, six months ago, sometime during the quarantine, I was rewatching. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, my God, Space Cowboy. This is my fucking jam. <laughs> this is why I know it. I, But there was no other way I was ever going to come across that song, that artist, that album. Yeah. Without yeah. that one instant. Otherwise, I would have never known about this multi-time Grammy winning artist. Yeah. Well. I think about what we were talking about earlier about the word connection, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like in very important moments in our life, you know, whether there's music or smells or whatever, our brain, our brain connects with that, you know, and yeah. it's in this like this hierarchy of, Oh, that had a cool thing attached to it. 
You know, I saw some really amazing titties when I listened to that song. You know I gotta I mean? tell you, Mike, dude, Mike, <laughs> when I was watching it, so I was doing this rewatch yeah. with a girl, and yeah. my face, like I would, like all the thoughts going through my mind when I realized that I transferred this this album and this artist that I now love, who I don't know what yeah. she looks like, I don't, I just know the voice and the music that I love, oh, yeah. and when I realized it, I I got it from a from a sex scene in a Kevin yeah. Costner TV show, yeah. I, like the shame on my face when I go. Oh my God. She goes, don't you love this song? And I was like, yeah. Oh my God. I didn't be ashamed. Somebody was doing their art and you appreciated it. All right. It's just funny how, how, how <laughs> easily all, I, as we want, we want you to appreciate it. It's just funny you how know? easily I played into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. Go so ahead. you got expelled in, in ninth grade um, yeah. and we don't need to go into like details. Yeah. But if you know the story, you maybe know the story. If you heard the rumors, maybe you heard rumors, but Tell you what, if anybody wants to know, they can just come ask, and I'll tell Perfect. them. Perfect. You know? Perfect. Because I, I got nothing to hide, but I, I would rather just talk to people one on one about that. You know. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So when you're when you get expelled in in ninth grade, you know you're getting you already had a problem connecting with people, and now you're getting removed from the school district, which we've all kind of talked about, you know, it's very small, you know, everybody from, you know, especially from Shady Grove, you know, probably 60% of the school from the time you were in elementary school. What's that like now to get removed out of that environment, which this is what's weird about it. Years later, people remember the bad things. You know what I mean? They don't remember the good things, which kind of sucks. And then what happens too, is that like, Later on in life, you get an opportunity to be like, hey, that wasn't me, but the stigma still stays. You know what I mean? For example, I'm a Buddhist now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to help people, right? I, I, I've donated thousands of dollars to charities every single Christmas I, for an orphanage in, in Africa. I buy them uh, blankets or I buy them nets or I, I try to help them out, you know, pay for malaria treatments or whatever. You know, I, I like I do stuff like that. And um, I want I want people to kind of, well, to be honest with you, the more I think about it, like right now, as I'm talking about it, I don't care how people think about me. I really don't. If you want to stick with Mike from back in the day, Freak Mike, you want to remember me as that, you can. You know, if you want to look at me for who I am now, you can. But at the end of the day, I am who I am and I'm a person and I ain't perfect, you know. And beyond that, too, I know that I've made mistakes and I will do what I can to try to make up for it, whatever that means. You know, even if it's years and years later, I don't mind helping people, you what know. About, so what about in that moment when you're now you're going to you get pulled out and you go to Wincoat? What's what's the perception? How do you perceive people receiving you? Do they know? Do they know really about like who you are? Knew. I just made new friends with new people. And at Wincoat, everybody had, quote unquote, problems where they were either asked to leave from a school or whatever. And um, it was a school where. It was, it was kind of like a hippie commune. There was 80 kids in the entire school and the school went from sixth grade to 12th grade, right? Mm-hmm. So there's about eight kids per grade. And there was, um, so the teachers get to know you very, very intimately. You know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> while you're going there, they would give you scholarships to be able to go to college and do things. So like my senior year there, you know, when I was, when I was at school, um, on the weekends, they paid for me to take classes over at Tyler School of Art, you know, to you know, try to help me with that a little bit, yeah. you know, which was kind of cool, you know. And in addition to that, my one of my teachers actually hired me to help him out with art projects, you know, later on as well. So 
Um, I mean, like that place was kind of cool, but again, you know, I, nobody ever picked up the fact that I was dyslexic. So my grades sucked and school to me was just like the most like, like pulling teeth kind of thing. I hated it, man. Mm. I hated going. I thought it was a waste of time, everything. I would rather just hang out with my friends, try to have some fun. Right. I didn't care about a future. I didn't know if I was going to have a future, Brad. I didn't know if I was going to make it past 18. A lot of friends of mine didn't. It's crazy. In my, in my, I think my senior class, I think a couple people have died mm. even from that school, you know? So we didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, at some point you have to make the decision, Hey, I want to live, you know? And uh, that didn't happen really for me until after the military. You've mentioned like a couple, you know, you've mentioned like kind of like some post school stuff, namely yeah. the army, you know, yeah. usually when I, when I go through this and I, and we're going into high school, I ask people, um, did you, was there anything that you thought you wanted to do as you were coming no. up, like through school? No, no, you, I didn't know. I didn't know what two weeks are going to bring. Oh, you, my mother left me in the fucking city. <laughs> like my, my life was not, your dad, there was no future, Brad, but you know, your dad, no your, that. your dad was a successful doctor. That's, you said, yeah. Was no, there, was there any, like, was there any, um, you know, a lot of times people are kind of like raised with regardless of what their their personal i don't know where you want to when you want to go into medical field or whatever yeah or, or just like people are raised with like the idea of like these kind of like like um these stoic musts oh, in yeah. life like, right must oh, must go to, to when you grow up you're going to you're going to school and middle school and high school yeah. and then you go to college and then you yeah. get a job and you yeah. start a family and yeah. at that age as a teenager was there any expectation or, or yeah. ingrained pressure of well, of course I'm supposed to go to college. You may not know what the fuck you're supposed to be doing or how you get there, but was there any thought of I'm supposed to be getting ready to go yeah. to college? I, I, there was definitely a, I need to be in the medical field. I have to, I mean, my dad named me after his profession. So he's a medical doctor. My initials are MD Volpicelli medical. See what I mean? See what he did? Hmm. Fucking <laughs> clever bastard, huh? <laughs> and what were your feelings uh, towards that? Yeah, so what happened was, is that, uh, well, I mean, he, like I said, he, he, he named me after his profession. Uh, I, I went to school for nursing um, after I got out of the military. I thought it was going to be awesome. And then I got a job at LA Fitness uh, and uh, I became one of their general managers over at, I think it was like, oh, I want to say like Hatfield or something, some town over there that starts with an H. Horsham might have been Horsham LA Fitness, one of them, one of the LA Fitnesses. And um, I, I, I was working there. I hurt my back. I sued them. I made $130,000. It was awesome. And then, um, but here's the problem. I had a kid. So I didn't, I didn't see 130,000. It's all 75, you know, and mm. <laughs> you see, that's what happened when people say, Oh, I missed out when I was in high school. I didn't go to parties. You know, those parties get you, they get you a kid, you know, and <laughs> hey, if you if you make it out of high school without a kid. Right. So when did you <laughs> so when did you have a kid? I, I had one. Um, oh, well, I mean, she's she's 12 years old now. So it was probably like it was probably right out of it was right out of the military. So it was it was a lot of many years ago. It was uh, 2006. You know, now with that being said, when I was in high school, I had a lot of scares. Mm. Oh, shit. So that was, 
we were not we were not doing the right thing, Brad. Mm. So I regret that. So you were dating like you were you were dating in high school, even when you went to Winco. I wasn't dating anybody. No, you were having you were having dating. sex and relationships with people. I mean, you were talked about how you <laughs> you talked about having an, an inability to connect. So you have to connect no, but, to but have sex. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. What you mm. need to do, <laughs> you, you don't connect. What it is is is, is it's an exciting thing, right? You, you, you have an exciting encounter with a person, you know, and if they, if, if, if they say yes, you know, then you, you do your thing, you know, one night stands don't mean you have a connection. It mm-hmm. just means that you both had an urge, you had an impulse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm very, very manic, right? So I'm the type of person where if something comes up, my answer would be, okay, let's do it. You know, let's give it a shot. Let's try. I'm not a person that really thinks about the content. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, the other day. He, he's, he's a, he's about two years older than us. He's a millionaire. Um, he is a high uh, exec, uh, at some business. And he's like, Mike, you know, the differences between me and you, one is I research a decision before I make it. You just do it, you know? <laughs> and usually part of the way that I research a decision is I give you a call and I ask, how did it go? You know? And, <laughs> and like, I'll be like, man, I fucked up <laughs> or man, that was cool. You know, and uh, yeah, so that was a lot of high school for me, man. So, like I said, I didn't have meaningful connections. I didn't have like a close personal friend that I could go and talk to all all my problems. You know what I mean? I had these like little parties where we get drunk, we would do stupid shit, you know, and we wouldn't really bother with the consequences. And I think that we, before I left high school, I had like four big scares. Wow, that's that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're when you're not phrasing it in like a, in a relationship or a girlfriend type of thing, it's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when that happens, you're like, all right, my life's over. You know, I, I I have no idea how to be a dad. I have no idea how to take responsibility for anything. You know what I mean? I mean, did you work at all in high school or I was stonemason during the summer working with my grandfather building houses. And then I, uh, wait, 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 wait. A, yeah. You built houses as yeah. a stonemason? So when you go around the houses and you see the stone on the front of the houses, we built that, you know, wow. um, in front of uh, William Pennant. They have those little little piers, the short little piers. I built one of them. I built wow. churches. I built patios. I built walkways. Uh, I built all kinds of shit. And you're you doing know? this as a teenager. I was doing it from the age of, I think, like 14 or 15. You know, like I didn't go to summer camp. I went to work. <laughs> and then like. Yeah. You know, and like when I was with my grandfather, my grandfather, he was a very, very quiet man. He never, he never talked. Hmm. Right. And because of that, I, uh, you know, we, we never, we never talked at the, at the job site. It was just, Hey, do your job. Right. You know, like hurry up. You're slowing me down, you know, (laughs) hurry up, bring me the stone, hurry up, set the stone, hurry up, dress the stone, hurry up. I need more cement. What are you doing? Get the sand off the truck, get the other thing off the truck. Mike, bring the fucking truck. You know, I don't have a license, Grandpa. I don't give a fuck. I'm at the <laughs> I'm at the wall. If I leave the wall, the wall's gonna fall down, and we're gonna lose a day at work. Bring the truck over here. Can you I know? ask you? <laughs> Can I ask you? I keep going, man. Uh, is that is that a better relationship though than yeah, you had with had your dad? Best, uh, my son is named after my grandfather. Literally, yeah. has the exact same name. Right? So even and though my he was father's name Dominic Joseph Volpicelli, my son's name is uh, Dominic John Joseph Volpicelli. So DJ Square, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it was the best relationship as far as a parental figure I ever had. Even though we never talked, 
You know, I was going to say, yeah, because a couple times when I was a kid, he gave me a fucking hug. You know, the moral mm-hmm. of the story, you got kids, give them a fucking hug. Spend some time with them. Build a connection with them. Ask them how they're feeling. Yeah. Ask them how they're doing. You know, take time. Listen to the music that they're listening to with them and then see what resonates with them. Have a real connection with them. Right. Mm-hmm. You do that. I, I swear to God, like that's all your kids need. Your kids don't need the highest degrees. What they need is love. Right. Take a minute. Take a minute to just share love with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. That's my grandfather showed me that he loved me. He cared about me because when bad things would happen, he would fight for me. But he never talked with me, you know, but that, that that's OK. Like it's it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. So then but, um, go ahead. So what did you so like you, you're doing you're doing manual labor in the summer yeah. and then during the, the during the school year, I worked at Suncoast Video and mm-hmm. um. Yeah, we would at just the mall. watch movies. Yeah, at the mall, actually. And you know what's funny is, is like I remember I got in trouble because um, my one of my favorite bands is this band called Enya, and they have this song, The Principle of Lust, right? Yeah. And um, they had music, a, a DVD that had music videos of all their songs, yeah. right? So one night I was working like near the end, the, the boss had to leave for some reason. So I put that on, and you know, it's on Coast Video that they got the the, the TV screens everywhere throughout the store, plus they the three on the outside going into the mall. So everybody's watching this video where these people are getting all sensual and there's a lot of nudity and everything. And I'm just sitting there behind the screen. I'm like, yeah, this is, I like this, you know? And I didn't think anything of it. And then this woman comes in, she's like, what are you doing having this like softcore porn on your thing? I'm like, hey, hey, yo, get out. <laughs> don't you ever talk to me like that again you know so yeah. what did you go to monco for i mean i went to Monco. all right so i went to monco um for for art right because i didn't know what the hell i wanted so i just took a whole bunch of classes at first right to just figure it out and even after two and a half years of doing that i had no idea no clue at the end of those two and a half years that's when my grandfather passed away hmm. right and at that point i was thinking about his life and what made him special to me and I was thinking, okay, well, that's the type of person I want to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and model some of my life after him. So what did he do different than me? Right. Well, he joined the military. So maybe that's what I need to do, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I didn't want to kill people. I didn't want to shoot people with guns. That entire thing scared me like beyond belief, you know, just, just the fact of like being around people where it's like, oh, it's okay to completely kill somebody and end their life. That was fucking scary to me, you know? So I wanted to be around people that were, that were trying to save lives. You know, and that's why I took the, I, you know, the job as medic. And uh, that was, was scary, too. That was crazy. But um, like the training of that was just like in, the most intense, insane thing I've ever gone through in my life. How you know? so? Like, go ahead. How so? Oh, so like, <laughs> so in the military, right? When uh, you're going to learn a new skill, like how to give somebody an IV or something, right? What they do is they say, here's the stuff that you're going to use, Right. Now turn to the left. That's who you're going to be practicing on, right? And it's like, okay, well, you've never given us a needle before. We have no idea what we're doing. Oh, wow. And then they're like, okay, you, private, come here. And then they would demonstrate it once. And they're like, okay, pay attention. This is how you do it. They show you once. Now turn to the left, right? And then after they, you get a chance to fuck up them and their arm, right? They get a chance to fuck you up in return. <laughs> And so I sat next to a girl who did not like me and mm. she turned my arm into freaking Swiss cheese. And I, I'll be honest with you. 
I am terrified of needles. And when she stuck me the second time, I remember I passed out in the middle of the, of the class. And here's the deal. You pass out. You know what happens? You become the training tool because you're the one that's difficult to work with. And if they can stick you, they can stick anybody. Right. Um, so we would go out to the field. Right. When we're out like doing our FTX. Right. And we would we would practice mass casualty situations and they would be playing this like crazy uh, music like this, like uh, like this Arabian stuff to kind of like scare you. They would have sounds of like babies screaming and women crying and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And um, they would have like these like laser lights going over you, just making it feel like you're in a war setting. And they're like, then they, like they would make it super loud too. So you'd have to scream at people. So they would say, okay, you, you just got, you know, hurt and you have a card in your little pocket and pull it out. That's your injury. And then the medic has to run over, treat you, give you an IV and get you off the field, you know? And like, I remember like it would be pitch black at night, people trying to stick me and that sucked, man. Because if you do get a vein and you don't hold the thing down, right. Blood just shoots out. Right. And that's crazy. And the people that I'm going there with, they're 17, 18 year old kids. Yeah. Like that's not like an ideal. Like if you go to a hospital today and a 17 year old kid comes over and says, I'm going to be the one doing your phlebotomy today. You say, no, go get your supervisor now. Okay. Now I understand that it might be bring your son to work day or bring your daughter to work, <laughs> but get the fuck out. <laughs> There's something called HIPAA. You don't deserve to be here, hmm. but in the military, it's completely normal for that to happen. And then every single day they would have us watch videos and see pictures of people getting their heads cut off, you know, from terrorists, um, all kinds of injuries that people were suffering, suffering from to desensitize us from wow. that kind of shit. And I just remember all it used to do was just like traumatizing and it was scary, you know? And um, let's see. So, yeah, I mean, they would tell you that the average lifespan of a medic on the field is six seconds. You know, wow. that's another thing too. So when you actually do get in there and everything, unless you're super confident and you're like one of these guys who are like, nothing can hurt me, you know, you're terrified, man. Like it's traumatic. How do you, you um, were, how, how long were you there? Two years? Is that what you said? I was in the military for about yeah, a little bit. I would say a little bit less than two years. I made it through all my training. I did a year at my unit. And, um, you know, at that point in time, I, I, I left on a medical discharge. I was suffering from PTSD you know, from stuff that happened during training, as well as some stuff that happened before the military. You know, I got my honorable discharge. And like I said, I got my commander's coins. I got to do some art while I was in there, you know, and that, you know, that was my experience. I worked at Madigan Army Medical Center in a burn unit in a telemetry ward. And in, um, I think just doing like general stuff, like aid station stuff, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm no fucking hero. Let's put it that way. There's people in the military that have done a lot more shit than I did in the military and deserve to be, oh, we respect you for your military service. Don't respect me for my military service because I didn't do shit. First of all, where are you stationed when you're in the army? Oh, I was you're all over the world, right? No, I was stationed at Fort Sam and I was stationed at Fort Lewis. So I was in the middle of Oklahoma where there's nothing, right? I was at Fort Sam, which is right outside of San Antonio, which is one of my favorite places on the planet. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that place. And then I was stationed at Fort Lewis in Washington where I never saw the sun and it never got over 60 degrees. And it was the most depressing thing you've ever seen in your life. I, I, Lewis Black has a joke about uh, about Seattle. Right. And it's like Seattle has the highest suicide rate 
because every single day is raining right. and cold and gray. Right. So eventually people get so sick of seeing rain and cold and gray that in order to see some fucking color, they start jabbing at their wrists. Right. You know? And so like, I, I can understand <laughs> after living there, like, yeah, no, that's funny. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, like it's cold. It's a horrible place in my opinion. You know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that people are going to give you hate for me saying this. They're going to give me hate for a lot of shit that I'm saying. I don't know if I have a huge Washington base uh, on the, well, pod, the podcast. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. So I got, I, uh, I, I got two friends, I think that are out there that maybe listen to this podcast in Washington. Uh, and well, I hope that they leave, but um, <laughs> hope that they can get out and return to the human race. <laughs> come back <you> know? <laughs> to us. <laughs> yeah. Come, come back. Come back, come home. So where do you leave? So where do you go then? Once once you leave the army, where do you go? Like literally, where uh, do you I, go I to live? Go live with my father. Things started to get a little bit better. He finally left my mother, and um, he was dating this woman named Debbie, and she was cool. And uh, I I got along with Debbie. I liked Debbie. She was a good person. And then I remember I, I things didn't work out very well with my father. I ended up moving in with my grandmother. Um, you know, for a while I lived there for a couple of years again. And then I think I ended up moving back in with my father, but anyway, um, and this the, is all I went to, I went to Monaco for, for nursing. And then at that time I had to pay for all of my own school. I never, I didn't, I didn't, you gotta understand I'm stupid. Right. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't use my Montgomery GI, right. To pay for any of my school. I, I, I paid for it out of pocket and Monaco is not, it's $300 credit. You know, you can, you can make that, you know, no problem. I make now I make that in the first 20 minutes of the yeah, day. Yeah, but you're coming back with no plan. Like you have no idea what you're going to be doing for working. So when you say $300 per credit, where yeah. you're working three jobs yeah. to live, like you don't, you yeah. don't have a path. You're, and at this point now it's, well, it's what, 2000. You start to have a path at this point. And what I mean by that is like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to end. Up. I don't know what I'm going to love. I don't know whatever, but I know that I need, I need an education. You know what I mean? I need that. But and you had I, been to Monaco once. The military. I, 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 like I said, I was working three jobs. I was, I, I think I was only taking like two or three classes at a time. Right. And um, I'm thinking, like I said, I'll go to school for nursing. I got this medical thing, I the medic thing. You know, it should be, it should be easy. And a lot of the classes were super easy, which would have been super hard. Like the, the human anatomy classes, the chemistry classes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had those down. Like I was good at those. I, at that time, like I said, I was working multiple jobs um, and I got a job at uh, LA Fitness as a, uh, as a sales rep to start. And then I moved from sales rep to personal trainer because I sucked at sales rep. I don't know if you see a theme here, but I suck at a lot of jobs that you put me in. Anyway, I was really good though. You know what? I'll tell you what, that job taught me how to deal with like how to, how to do sales. And when I got good at sales, I started get I started, I started coming out of my shell. Right well, back then, sales, I was nobody, and I stopped sales. wearing the black and I started showing off the guns. You know what I mean? Like I started, I started flirting a lot. Like don't, don't tell the wife. And then <laughs> I met a lot of ladies. You know what like I mean? She's, she might like, watch this thing. She might she might watch or listen to this thing. Oh, I hope not. I didn't <laughs> this with you. <laughs> I'm on somebody else's podcast. I'm sure another. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's probably in the other room, like listening to me right know, now. Right. She's there like, oh, I can't wait for him. You know, <laughs> I can't wait for him. You're He's poking dead. Jamie Rosen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's funny. But, um, 
What was I saying? So yeah, you were showing yeah. off the guns. Well, I was gonna. So you you're able to make a connection. I mean, sales is about connections. Sort of. Sales is about tricking somebody into thinking that they want something that they don't. That's LA Fitness. So for example, they'll they'll be like, okay, make sure that you ask leading questions. Make sure you get them to say yes at least seven times, you know, uh, in a row before you bring them back to the table. All this like psychological stuff. Mm. Make sure that you show them one price but make sure that you're willing to drop down to another price, you know, and tell them it's a special deal, right. you know, tell them that you're going to call the manager, but you're not calling the manager, you know, tell them that you are the manager, you know what I mean? Like all that shit, you know? So like they tell you all these different things, you know, and I, I started getting good at it. I hate to say, yeah. you know, and uh, I didn't give a fuck, you know, I didn't connect with anybody anyway. So I'm just trying to make some money. You know, so anyway, I went from doing uh, personal training sales to being the general manager because I got the top numbers on the East Coast. I got I got I started having just fun with it. Like I, I remember I would go to uh, um, to the mall on my my breaks where we're supposed to pass out these little cards. And I would go and I would take these little like uh, questionnaire things. Like you remember they would do their market research and they would bring you back to a, I don't know. Maybe they didn't do it. Uh -uh. Maybe it was just me. Anyway, I would go back. I give him a fake name. You know, I tell him, oh, my name is, you know, Steve, you know, and I would just lie on everything. Right. And I, I would always get their information at the end of it. Right. And I would always get phone numbers and I'd always get callbacks. And I would, mm. I remember I would go to and this is where this is. This was my secret. Right. I go to insurance companies that were just hiring brand new people. And I would tell them I'm so into signing up for the new Roth IRA plan which is a, a few hundred dollar, you know, commission for them. Yeah. So I would bring them over. I'd be like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm going to do it. But first, would you like to get this gym membership? Man, I'm so excited. I, I'm so happy to know you. Right. Yeah, i tell you what, I can, I know the manager, man. I'll hook you up. Right. And <laughs> it's like I was telling you. And I would get these guys and they would sign up for these huge things. And they're thinking they're getting this huge commission. I'd never call them back. Right. Steve would never call them back. You know what I mean? <laughs> My alias. So <laughs> that's so good. So, so when you I, talk, I did awesome doing that, and I, I get them. You know, when you talk about this, it's just yeah. your your whole tone and excitement is so different than oh, yeah. just the way that you talk about these these experiences is so yeah. different than the first half of your life yeah. that you talked about. What changed with you? It seems like you were just the. It seems like you were a happier person or yeah. a more peaceful what changed when you came back from the army i i think I mean, that's a good question i don't know I'll have to do you see it that. do you do you I, see no, how animated you are yeah. about this part of your life yeah versus and, and you just seem happier but i'm just curious because it doesn't seem like anything dramatic outside of you're not home well i mean that's a big part of it yeah you know, i think it was did you grow up more in the army? Did you, I mean, it didn't seem like anything profound happened to you in the army that changed your life in a positive way. So I'm so curious what. Well, it's sort of, I mean, I came back more disciplined for sure. Right. And I mean, anybody that knows me as a person now compared to then will tell you that it's a different personality, you know, and I don't know what that necessarily is and that's a really good question and maybe i need to think about that you know um because okay. i never really thought about that before i think it was just i don't know brad that's a good question can i ask you this you know yeah. what was your drug 
uh, involvement at that point oh, when you came back? Nothing. I was straight edge. Was that? I, I mean, I would go. I, when I first got back, I used to. I would try to hang out with certain people who like to go out drinking. Uh, but I, I got to a point where I stopped drinking completely. To be honest with you, I really don't even drink. I'm drinking with you tonight because this is fun, and I wanted to make sure that I was loose, loose enough with it. Yeah, absolute cheers. Cheers, brother. You know? Cheers, brother. You know, and uh, I wanted to be able to make sure that like it wouldn't be nerve wracking. Like you gotta understand. After I did the art thing when I'm oh, my sophomore year in high or uh, college, right? I did interviews with people all over the place, right? I've done, I, like I said, Steve Harvey. I've met celebrities. I've done work for you know all kinds of really interesting people, literally all over the world, right? And I, I mean, I, I just I feel like it just changed me, man. Like I I, I feel like I, I started to feel like I had a purpose, so there was meaning or something. You know, before there was no meaning and it was sad. And the reason being is I remember being super depressed at that time, all the time, man, mm-hmm. I would go to bed at night and I couldn't fucking sleep because I'd have these fucking things in my head, just saying horrible shit to me. You know what I mean? Was that the drugs? No, that's just not feeling a connection to anybody. Do you know why people do drugs? Cause I worked at a drug rehab. No, they, tell they me. feel no connection to anybody or anything. And it's so fucking painful for them. They want to find something to turn the pain off. Right. And, they and want. Go ahead. I guess that's what I was wondering was, you know, were you ignoring your issues because you were doing the drugs and the party and the drinking? Were you ignoring your issues as a youth? No, no, no. You're not ignoring them. You're doing what you can to to, to solve the problem. You don't have all of the tools. You don't have any of the knowledge. You don't have any of like the things unless somebody presents it to you. All you have is what's directly in front of you, Mm. right? If you talk to a 15-year-old kid or a 12-year-old kid or whatever, and you ask them how they're going to deal with an anxiety attack while they're having it, their, their, their thing is always run away, run away, you know? Isn't that ignoring no, it's not ignoring because that's a coping mechanism. You're trying to turn it off. You're not necessarily ignoring. Ignoring is when that becomes a pattern. You understand? When you run away, you can get through it. And sometimes people can then go solve it, right? After they get through that initial attack. Go so ahead. when you say run away, um, the understanding in that phrasing is that there is the option to come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. Running away in that situation is is a, to escape the pain, hmm. right? But like, there's I, what, what do you do as a kid to do that if you don't have the tools, the knowledge, Drugs. or the counselor? You do well. You find a substance that literally solves all of your problems, which is how can I feel something again? How can I be happy? Where do I find joy? Hmm. Right? You get a joint. It solves all of your problems. It really does, right? Mm-hmm. At least because that's why it's like really hard to tell kids, hey, stop doing pot. Well, that's the only time I feel good. So mm-hmm. fuck you. You know, <laughs> I remember when I worked at a drug rehab and there was this guy who would buy poppy seeds over the internet and then boil them in a pot and make this like heroin tea, right? And that's what he would do. That's his drug. So that was his opiate. And wow. I say, well, why don't you try something else? Why don't you stop? And he said, well, this is where my, this takes my pain away. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't feel the pain in my back or in my neck or whatever when I have, when I drink my tea, right? Mm. I, this literally solves it all. 
I don't have to feel like I'm a disappointment or embarrassment or blah, 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 whatever the nasty thought is in their head. You know, now what happens is, is when that becomes like a habit, like the, like the default thing, then that's when that becomes a toxic behavior. All people run away from something that gets too intense, right? But it's when you do that all the time with every issue, does it become a dis-ease, not at ease. You know, your life is not at ease. If you can find a way to remove yourself from the situation, come back, solve your problem, okay, I mean, that's still healthy. Because when you don't, right, if you don't run away, maybe it is too intense. Maybe you are feeling too much fight or flight. And at that point, are you going to make a good decision? Probably not. I mean, all people think like this, and this is so true. And think about this, because this will make sense. All people first respond when they deal with an issue with dealing with the emotional brain. The emotional brain feels something. And immediately thoughts pop into your head. They're not rational, Mm. right? They're just, I have a feeling and I need to act on that now, right? Then what happens is when that starts to die down, the rational brain has an opportunity to take over and start thinking, okay, here's some consequences. So maybe you don't want to do that. Or maybe this will happen and this will happen. So then you start to think about an issue and you start rationalizing it. But that's still not the end, still not the highest brain level. Then there's the intellectual brain that will look at statistics and math and measurement, right? But that doesn't happen until way later. Now, with that being said, all people hit that emotional place first, mm-hmm. right? And if whenever you respond using just that emotional decision-making, right, it's not rational, it's not logical. So how likely is it to be right, you know, and to be the correct answer for solving your problem? That's so funny. <laughs> Actually, That's... probably like not at all. You know, my wife is very, very logical. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very emotional. You know, that's one of the reasons I think we get along so well, to be honest with you, because we, we balance each other out, you know? Um, you know, like it's, it's great. Like I'm lucky to have her, like I'm truly am. How did you meet her? Um, when I was a personal trainer or not a personal, when I was a general manager of the gym, right. Um, I was, no, I'm sorry. I was at Huntington Valley. I was assistant general manager at the time. Right. I have to get that right. Uh, one of my trainers, it was her best friend. And this is a funny story, right? So we, we were going to go out to uh, do a blind date, right? She was going to set us up on a blind date, one of my trainers. And I remember I had just worked about like 14 hours that day. Like I, I, that's the reason why I stopped doing all the other jobs. I was making nurses money, you know, working at a, a, as a GM. And I was doing good. I was thinking I just keep, keep doing this. Anyway, so one of my trainers wanted, to meet, wanted me to meet somebody because she saw me working all the time. And she thought mm-hmm. I was a nice guy, right? So um, she wanted to do something nice, you know? So I remember I came home from work. I lied down in my bed. I fell asleep. I was two and a half hours late to this blind date, right? And as soon as I got there, I spilled a beer on her. I went to go sit down. I knocked it over. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's not going to work out, right? And I'm, I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful, right? And so, like, I try to talk to her and I try to just, like, connect with her as much as I could. And she's laughing at my stupid jokes and she's acting a little coy and, um, you know, like, like I said, I spilled a beer on her. I remember I went to the bathroom. I came out the fucking toilet. The toilet paper was stuck to my foot, Brad. Holy Christ. You checked you know? all the, <laughs> you all the boxes. Wait a minute. Have you ever worried about a bad date? Right. Remember Mike, right. Mike Dude, spilled a beer on her. You checked Mike off all the boxes. The toilet, the fucking thing with the toilet bad paper. Dates. And then I knocked the fucking chair over when we went to leave. Right. 
So you're I late. Did everything you could do wrong. Yeah, you're late. <laughs> you're late. You yeah. spill the beer. Yeah. You walk back out with toilet paper. You yeah. trip over a fucking chair. Oh my god! Like you, like you, you did all the uh, things. I, 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 you know what I did? I did bad date bingo. Okay. It was, <laughs> it was really I mean, fun. this is like you know, R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. to 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 uh, to Screech. Yeah. But and like you know to Dustin Diamond, this is like Screech even, on a date. I'm not even done. I'm not even done. I invited her back to the house. I made. I tried to make stir fry. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't get to eat. It burned. Set we the got, house on fire. <laughs> well, it just it just charred. Right. Yeah. Anyway, like we didn't. We didn't get back to that. You know. Like I said, I'm a passionate person, Brad. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. We'll get into the rest. Slick. She, she does listen. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, wow, that was what else? Oh, after, you know, after we. What's your name? Did that. Oh, her name is Kristen. Right. After we did that. You know what I told her? I said, I said, Kristen, I think I might marry you. Right. I think I, I think I might love you. What was her reaction <laughs> to that? that you know, she, she said to me was OK. And then get this. Right. We we parted ways, you know how you know dates end, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't parted ways. It was like I think like six o'clock in the morning. Uh I forgot to get her phone number. <laughs> and, then, and then when I did get her number, like uh, her friends and I, um, like uh, her, her 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 yeah the, the trainer that was a friend of mine, like I. I, we didn't call each other for like three or four days and I had to get a number from her. I was texting, mm-hmm. texting. She wasn't getting any of my texts. She was texting me, not getting any of my texts. So she thought I played her. Yeah. Right. And then she find out I didn't. And I, I remember I, I called her up. I'm like, Hey, uh, when we finally were able to connect again, I was like, Hey, um, you know, how I told you, I love you. Like before we do that, can I just like ask you, would it be okay if me and you were just like, like a thing a little bit first, yeah. <laughs> you know, and instead of me saying, I love you, can I just say like, I cheese sandwich you for now, you know, like, or just something, you know, slow it down. Easy. Yeah. Slow it so down it's a, a great, bit. I recognize I fucked that up and she's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. She laughed at me. And I knew at this point, okay, finally somebody who's going to let me be myself a little bit. Now yeah. with that being said, in relation, no relationship is perfect, right? No relationship is perfect. And we've had moments of big ups, big downs, but at the same point in time, at the end of the day, we can be ourselves. And that's what the only thing that matters, you know, like my, my wife is six years younger than me. You know, I, I did pretty good, you know, um, I, I, I'm happy, man. You know, so that's kind of like what matters. If that yeah. Like, and you don't get that necessarily from like, you, you just get that from having a connection. It doesn't, nothing else matters. Where did it's you, nothing else ha- matters. You had, it sounds like you didn't have any experience prior to that of like a positive, you know, when I, when I asked you about like your, your past, your past relationships, it's like, and I kind of categorize it as like, were you dating? You're like, it wasn't dating. And then clearly like just inexperienced, right. From that, from that first, like kind of, I was very experienced with, but, but from a dating but What's I that? was not experienced with having real good intimate relationships. Where yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what's what's what was that like when you're? Because this, I'm assuming now, this is like the really the first girl, and it shows, right? Yeah. You say, "I love you, I want to marry you." I, well, there was there was three girls I had close relationships with. This girl, uh, Crystal, who's still a best friend of mine. Um, another one, um, 
named Monique, who was actually, she was a porn star. Uh, awesome. uh, and she lived up on New York City. She lives somewhere in Philly now. And then there was another one. Um, uh, I think her name was like Melissa, where it was like we had really intense relationships, where there was lots of feelings. Oh, and then there was Liz, the girl who killed herself, who was my first girlfriend ever, you know, where we had really intense relationships. But I, I don't know if I don't know if you would call them healthy mm. because they became relationships of codependence where I was dependent on them for like is, everything. I was like leaning on them too much. Was Kristen just that, that better of a, I don't want to say better, but the, the right, the right combination with you to help you work through. I would just feel like the, you know, there's the a lot of help me a lot being with a girl from New York city who isn't afraid to tell me, Hey, you're being an asshole right now. Uh, honesty. Yeah. <laughs> and honesty. Then at the end, at, yeah. At the end of it, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I took what I learned from that relationship and I applied it to the next one. And I just tried to be better, like yeah. a better person all around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like she deserves a good husband. You know what I mean? And I want to give that to her. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. And it, it's and like I, I don't want her to have to rely or, or I don't want to have to rely on her, you know, for everything. I, I want to be able to help. I want to be a partner. You know what I mean? I, I want that because I want to have a connection with somebody who's just been there. Like, yeah. so when we, when we think about connection too, this is important, right? Connection comes from people, like I said before, and who aren't the best, but people that have been there who know your story, you know what I mean? Who have allowed you to be yourself. Yeah. When you think about your past, their name or their face keeps popping up over and over and over. Right. You don't need to find the hottest big titted woman. I trust me, those tits sag after a while. You know, <laughs> I need I to hear I need to hear these things. Up. Well, let me ask you, you know, from not you know, you've always been in art, but you didn't have any type of a path. And then you go yeah. into the army and you kind yeah. of accidentally are allowed to do art for a little bit and then you come out. And you're working, but then you get back into art and now you're doing these, you know, these, these works yeah. and you've got people sharing them. And these are like, these aren't just, you know, suburb, you know, these, these aren't the suburbanite blue bellions that you grew up with that go to the giant, right? These are people that affect the world that, that are sharing your work around. What's that, what's that like for your psyche? Oh, the first time it ever happened, I was so nervous. I went out for a walk and I just went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know what I mean? And yeah. then when somebody bought an art piece from me for the first time for like 700 bucks, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like I'm a, I, all I could think is, oh my God, I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. They're going to find out I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. And I'm like, but it's not though, because it, I, I, you know, I do them all the time. Isn't that interesting? You know? Yeah. So you don't like, think I always you... felt like I was going to fail or like somebody was going to be like, oh, you're a fraud. And I, you know what I mean? I, I, I was so afraid. I, I still am. I, to this day, I'm still planning for the day where I need to flip burgers for a living. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, but like, Isn't that's that... the thing. It's like, after I do the word art, I do the paintings, the paintings still sell, even though I suck at painting, you know, I, uh, it's just somehow it's all working out, man. Isn't that, is, know, man. Isn't that interesting <laughs> though? Like how yeah. you think you're thinking fraud, fraud, which implies that people are going to think you don't belong to the standard of what exactly you're right. holding of exactly what you right. think you're trying to get yourself to. That's exactly right. Yet people are buying your work 
posting your work and you still think you don't belong, even though you are already in there. You're, You're already exactly, in the world. You're exactly right. I, I think that all artists kind of do that. You know, it's, it's hard. Like it feels vain. Know. It feels vain to think, Oh, I'm going to kill them with this one. They're not going to be able to believe what I, what I paint for them or what I, what, what this video that I make for them or this pot, they're going to lose their fucking minds when they all hear yeah. it, it. It feels so, and, and maybe for people that have tried and failed, right. We've all tried. I'm sure we've all tried to make something for someone. And that person goes, Hey, you didn't do it, dude. That ain't yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And so I, I almost hear those moments in my head, right. I've got those failures always in my head that I just go, let's not, let's not oversell this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> let's, right. let's just kind of, that. I fucked that up a couple of times recently. I, for the first time ever, I had a, I had a woman tell me that she wasn't happy with her, uh, with her painting of her portrait. She paid half her deposit, which is fine, you know, but she didn't want the thing. And that's never happened to me before. Mm. And that, I mean, I swear to God, that, that, that hurts, man. You feel that in your soul, sure. you know, but, um, I mean, it happens and you, I guess you just kind of have to, uh, there's a quote. That, I love quotes, man. It's some quotes that really stick in my head. One is life ain't strength ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving. You know what I mean? And like, I took that hit and what am I going to do? Just drop on the ground and cry about it. Or am I going to get back up and, you know, keep going, you know? And if she don't like it, she don't like it. And that's okay. I can move on. You know, I can do things that bring back the fun for me and that'll show mm. in the art. And if it doesn't to anybody else, well, at the end of the day, I feel good. I still feel like I got something from it. I had fun. I had pleasure. I had joy. And I think that for some, for some reason, maybe you don't feel the same, but for me, I feel like at our age, it's harder to find joy. You know, it's much harder. Like when I look at my kids, my son yesterday, he has this little drone that he flies and I, my son's only three years old. That thing goes off and he it, it starts flying around the thing. He's squealing. His arms are flailing. He's having a great time. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you or I did that for anything? You know what I mean? Eagles, anything at all. Eagles like parade. What's that? Eagles parade. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, my kids are like that like once or twice a week. Like, why don't we feel that way anymore about anything? Well, you know, I have checks. I, I feel like I give myself mental checks and balances and emotional checks and balances of yeah. don't get too excited about this. Don't get too excited about that. Like, it's cool, but let's just see what's going to happen, right? Like, what voice is that in your head? Is that your voice or is it somebody else's? It's my voice. It's my voice of memories of things that have gone wrong in the past or bad or ways that I've perceived or I've perceived to look bad in the past that I go, okay, let's take this in stride. Let's see. Like, I've got a lot of things that like have, have over the past, like, you know, year or so have come up and have seemed very exciting. And some of them have played out exactly as I thought they were. They would. Some of them have played out much smaller than I was told, promised uh, that they would. Some have not played out in any way. It's some completely disappeared. Yeah. Um, and that's that. just in the last year. But as an artist, you I've been going through that for the last 10, 15 years of my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, before I moved to before I went to, to WWE, yeah. I had sold some um, I had sold some scripts uh, to this upstart production company that wanted to hire me to start doing sketch comedy oh, yeah. uh, based off of these skits that I that I had written. Um, and I was super, super excited about it. Then I got the job for WWE. I mean, within like 15 to 20 days of them 
um, of us discussing price and, and, a, and a filming schedule. Um, within 15 days, I get offered this job where I have to move now to Stanford, Connecticut. So obviously I take that job and I move to Stanford, Connecticut and I start working for WWE and I do that for a year and a half. By the time I came back, that company was that company that had offered to pay me pretty good sum for for this work that I like put my heart and soul into on my own personal shit. Yeah, was dead. It was gone. Wow. Didn't even exist. Wow. Yeah. Right. That sucks when that when, as an artist when you put your heart and soul into something, hours and hours and hours, your passion, everything, and then nothing happens from it. Man, yeah. So uh, that's a hit, <laughs> but, but, you know, I had this, what seemed like a really, you know, this thing prior to me going to WWE seemed like a really promising, like, Oh my God, this is exactly it. It's local. Yeah. This is like they, when an athlete blows their knee, you know what I mean? It's like an, an athlete blows their knee. They can't be an athlete anymore. When I got but, back from the military, I used to do triathlons, marathons, right? I used to do like Olympic weight training all the time. I broke my back, man. Like I, I have, I get trouble walking sometimes. I, I, I'm in a lot of, and this uh, Wednesday, I have to go in for a procedure on, mm. you know, like I, I, life changes. Life, life happens when you're making other plans. Like, you know to, I mean? like tomorrow, Wednesday or today, Monday. Yeah. It's Monday. Was, so in two Monday. days, you got to go yeah, in two days. You asked me to do the show once I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'm going in for an operation, you know, wow. so. You know, so like I like I get it. Like I trust me, I get that. You know, life happens when you're making other plans. Uh, after I hurt my back, no more marathons, no more triathlons. You know, no more lifting heavy things. You know, so um, I lift light things, yeah. <laughs> and I I do occlusion training, and it works. I still got arms. You know, so that's what's so funny is I almost expected that I I thought about when thinking about what to wear. Um, yeah. for this podcast, you know, I almost thought like, should I put on a tank top? Cause when I see you, <laughs> when I see you, you've been rocking the tank tops and I'm yeah. just like, yo, Mike looks kind of jacked. Yeah. That's what I've been noticing. I was like, yo, Mike's pretty like built. Yeah. This is me fat, man. Before COVID man, I was doing 65s, you know, I was, I was doing good. How did you find Buddhism? Um, it was actually, it was, uh, I love music like yourself. Right. I don't listen to anything on the radio. I, I found this band called uh, Faithless uh, many, many years ago. And they're actually a Buddhist. Um, they're a Buddhist like techno band, which is like weird. And um, they're amazing music, amazing lyrics. And whenever I listened to their music, it felt like it was affecting me. Like I felt I could resonate with it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like certain songs like you just feel and get emotional with. And with their music, I got like that. Mm -hmm. And so... I, it, it started, I started to kind of like learn a little bit about it from there. And then, um, after I got back from the military and I was doing that GM job and I had broken, I had broken off a relationship with the porn star. And, <laughs> um, I was, I was just, I don't know, I was in a weird emotional place. And, uh, from there, I, I, I met a doctor who was part of this SGI, uh, Buddhist group where there's like, bunch of people that get together they chant together uh I, I went with them one time and i felt very uncomfortable mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of people chanting around me and i'm thinking that i just joined a fucking cult like what is this you know what i mean are we gonna do virgin sacrifices next you know i <laughs> i hope i'm not the i hope they don't think i'm the one right <laughs> they ain't gonna call up any demons with me 
Anyway. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, um, I, I didn't like that. But like afterwards, they would talk about like different things. And I kind of liked that, hmm. you know, about how like Buddhism has been affecting them and everything. So I like that. And then I, 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 I took uh, a couple courses in college on Eastern philosophies and Eastern art. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. And then I got invited to do the show in Japan, um, which is like one of the Buddhist capitals of the world, pretty much. Or they, uh, so we went to go and check out the temples and I felt at peace, like the biggest peace I've ever felt in my life is at these temples. Then one thing that's kind of crazy is I have this giant temple in Japan. I think it's Toji Temple. It's either Toji or Todaji. It's Toji. Toji. It has this giant Buddha. And when you're walking up to the, to the temple, like they have these like uh, this big row of these different like different like traditional and authentic Japanese stores, not as tourist bullshit. And then right after that, you go onto the grounds of the temple and then there's these deer that are like wild deer. They're not tame. They're not in cages. There's nothing about them that's like been touched by man, mm-hmm. but they come over to people and they just like chill with you. You know, they'll put like their head, like their little deer head on your lap. Mm-hmm. And like, they're like super friendly. And I, I remember we went there with my daughter and I'm pushing her in her, her wheelchair and she's eating Cheerios. Huh. Right. And there's wild deer running around. And we have a trash bag attached to our stroller that had all of our food, like all of our lunch foods. The deer came over, he stuck his head right in our yeah. trash bag. Right. And then we're like, okay, there's a deer in the trash bag. What do we do about this? Let's just let it go. Right. Then he comes around, he sees my daughter eating Cheerios. And what do deers like to eat? Fucking Cheerios. So he just comes over and starts eating all of my daughter's Cheerios. She went from, oh, my God, I'm super scared to you're fucking with my Cheerios. Bop, right on the deer's face. The deer's, what? (laughs) And, like, the deer was upset. So he went over. He grabbed our trash bag on the side of our stroller and just ran off with it, spreading trash all over Tarajji's, you know, grounds. So that's my my story, right? I'm telling you, man. I have these moments that could be so wonderful and they're just destroyed by my luck, you know, <laughs> but it's a fun story. So they're great. It's the, a true story too. They sound like great animation shorts to be oh, honest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They probably would be, you know, but like, like I said, we went back and we, we went and we saw the, we saw the giant Buddha and we got to do our little thing in front of it. And it, it just felt cool. Yeah. And then, I, I spent time learning more about it uh, afterwards on like the great courses. And um, I, I, I tried to learn more from different teachers. And I, I, one thing that you'll learn about Buddhism that's different than like Christianity, because I, I don't know what your background is. Right. Um, but, I'm Jewish. Okay. Um, so like a lot of like the, the Abrahamic religions are like, you got to be Jewish. You have to be Christian or you have to be Muslim and Buddhism. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And Buddhism, it's find peace. We're not going to write shit down. Mm. We'll give you people that might guide you. But at the end of the day, the journey's yours. And only by you doing the journey are you going to find the answers. Right. And we're going to give you little pieces of guidance or whatever. But you don't have to accept any of them. Mm. It's a smorgasbord. It's like going to a buffet. Grab a little of this. Grab a little of this. Grab a little of this. You know Mm. what I mean? And like, if you want to be Buddhist only at the later half of your life, you can, and you could still be considered a full blown Buddhist. 
If you want to be one for the first half, as well as a Confucianist, as well as a Christian, you can do that. A lot of the Buddhists that I practiced with in the beginning with the SGI group, they were also Jewish and also Christian because Buddhism has nothing to do with you have to follow Buddha. It has to, it is, how do you, how do you attain your Buddhahood, sure. right? How do you try to see past your own, um, you know, your, your own ego sometimes just to take a moment to try to make your life better. Mm. You know what I mean? Because sometimes our ego gives us the wrong things because again, the ego is very emotional. You know, help me wrap this thing up. We've been talking for for like a while. This has been like an incredible, awesome. It's good. Uh, eye opening. You, when you when you were gonna do this with me, is this how you thought this was gonna go with me? Um. <laughs> yeah. You because you remember me as the freak. I don't know if I if you still think of me that way. I thought this would be. I didn't. I didn't think. I, I didn't know if you had ever heard the podcast. To be honest. Really. Yeah, I I don't I don't like know that unless people specifically message me or they're consistent like on social media with like commenting or liking posts. I don't know if people are actually like listening or watching these podcasts. So, no, I, I didn't know if if you really had listened to the podcast. So I to be quite honest. That's why it was one of the first questions, because I was going to give you a little like rundown of how I tried to like run things. And all it was going to be was like, whatever we get into, we get into. And I might try and I might try and steer back to some high school stuff. But so I thought this would be a little bit unconventional. Um, And I've seen your art. I've seen your art live, uh, your live streams of 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 doing art and even going back to the very beginning when we we had tried to do this maybe about six months ago in the summer. Yeah. Um, and, and the schedules didn't work out. So like, I kind of had an idea. I thought it'd be a little bit wild. I did think you'd be in a tank top. So I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that you're in a full regular hey, t-shirt. Hey, hey, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the Florida, that's a Florida uniform. That's what I tell people. It's okay. It's you're not right. allowed to have shirts with sleeves. But no, this is, this is, <laughs> I, I did I think it, I, ha- I went running before I did this and I, I came back and I was sweaty. So I, I took it off. Uh, but I had one on like literally 20 minutes before this. So, I yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I did. I did think it would be a little bit more. I thought I would have to wrangle you a bit to be honest. Like, I thought I would have to like maybe like wrangle you into stuff. But what I like I said, like, I, it's one of those things where I realized like in the very beginning of this podcast, as we were going, it's like, oh, you know, what? I don't need to wrangle you. I need to just let this be what it's going to be. Yeah. I don't need to steer the conversation. Sure. Get in some stuff where where it fits, but, but I, I feel like where you were taking it everywhere you're going was interesting as fuck to me. Um, and, and I was into diving deeper into it, regardless of trying to find just kind of empty high school type questions to ask you. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm, I'm glad that, we, you know, you're happy with it. Oh okay. yeah. Did yeah. one thing I do like to ask is like, like, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about or anything you wanted to ask that you didn't get to ask? I know I ask a lot of questions. Sometimes people are like, I wanted to ask you blank, or I wanted to talk about this and we didn't get to do it. Was there anything that you, that we left on the table you wanted to get into? I, you know, I want people to know I'm not the same person from high school. I mean, like if they want to think of me as that, they can, who cares? But, you know, I know that like what, how we started, it was like, those are, those are really rough years, man. They were rough years. And, a lot of the stuff that I did, you know, I really wish that I had better tools and better opportunities, but I just didn't, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's every moment people do the best that they can, you know? And I, I really just want, you know, I just want people to know 
that if for any reason at any point that Mike ever hurt them, right, then I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and I want to be able to reach out to them. And if anybody feels hurt, they can reach out to me, you know, and yeah. as far as anybody who ever bullied me, I, I've had people recently came over to me and was like, look, Mike, I want to apologize for X, Y, Z, whatever. I want them to know, hey, look, I have no hard feelings against people. I understand. People got to do what they got to do. We're all growing up. We're all kids. You know? Yeah. I forgive everybody. There's no point in holding on to anger. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, I want to let people know that if they are suffering from substance abuse, you know, I used to work at a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. Be happy to give them the information. You know? Um, let's see. What else? You know, I just, I want people to live a good life, you know, and hopefully that'll be it. If we were in person, I would ask you to sign my yearbook. And since uh, you were not in our high school yearbook, Mike. Yeah. I'm, uh, you don't have I'm, the, you have a senior one. I'm pulling out. Oh shit. Wow. Shady Grove. Wow. The Doomsday. Hold on. Wait a minute. Let me read. Mm-hmm. What is the Doomsday Files? I don't know. So your hobby is writing the Doomsday file, uh, Doom oh, Files. I know what that was. What was it? Oh, I when I was a kid, I was coming up with a story. I wanted to write like a book. And I wanted to have like all of my, my friends in the book. And what it was supposed to be is uh, the book was going to start off where everybody is on the bus and we're going on a, a field trip and the bus falls through a time warp. And or like we go into an alternate dimension and uh, the world is crazy and we have to figure out a way without teachers and parents how to survive. And it, it was like this thing, you know, and like I was like, oh, well, this person is really good at math in our class. So maybe they'll be, a, you know, build the houses and this person is really cute. So maybe they'll like make babies and this person, I really don't like them. So they'll be dead. And then like <laughs> they'll get attacked by the tiger. You know, you know what I mean? Just like, like thinking about sounds like Lord of the flies. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 But yeah, (laughs) like something stupid. And I was like, so what I would do is I would sit there and I'd write these short stories involving people in the, in my class and like, what were they doing? Mm. Right. Like, and how would they, what was their future going to be in this alternate reality? I don't know if that was nerdy. That was probably nerdy. But it was it was fun. It was you know what I mean. Sounds it was, like it sounds like the entire MCU right now. But yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Your uh, your future <laughs> your future career was a was a builder. Hmm? Your future I career to be was a builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you gotta understand. At that time, I was working for my grandfather. Even then, I was working for my grandfather. Well, you were like you were like eleven here. Oh, uh, maybe that was before I worked for him. Your but favorite. I, uh, I, he was a stonemason, and I looked up to him. You know what I mean? Your oh, favorite book was Jurassic Park? Yeah, yeah. I read the, the Crichton one, and it was, like, the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Especially because it didn't involve warrior mice. You know, I, re- I don't know if you remember any of the Redwall books, you know, but mm-hmm. those were, like, some of my favorites as a kiddo. And then <clears throat> I got to read my first adult book, and that was Jurassic Park, you know, by Crichton. I remember everyone was reading it. It got me really hyped to see the movie. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I didn't get to ask you about favorite movies in like high school era. Do you have one from like the late nineties that was like a favorite movie during that time, even if you weren't in Wizahickon? Um, maybe the matrix. I yeah. like that entire like alternate reality thing. I still like that. Okay. You know? I like to try and maybe show that in some of my paintings. 
the doomsday files oh my fucking god wow and your wow, favorite Brad, holy shit brought what it back for do, you man you just <laughs> look for that's that so funny that's look so for funny. that look for that in the next series the doomsday <laughs> files by visual art <laughs> yes favorite so if, if chris rogers finds himself painted in some weird uh some weird doomsday scenario this is this is what it is it's that's what it is that's fourth, right. there it's you go. fifth grade coming to manifest <laughs> well you know what's funny is i still have the namaste series where i go on facebook and i i just pull somebody's picture and i draw it or paint it in a different and weird way mm-hmm. and I, I experiment with different styles and everything and i i i had one I had an idea for one uh, for actually a bunch of people from was a Hicken. Um, you know, I, I, I got, it might, it might not be dead yet is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. All right. You know, uh, I'll, You're, uh... everybody's getting a portrait. I, I told every single person, I've, I've told everybody who's doing commissions from me recently, look, every single person I'm friends with on Facebook, I'm going to get a piece of artwork in the, on their wall. Otherwise, okay. I'm kicking them off the friends list. Nice. You know, <laughs> so you might end up with a piece too. Who knows? We'll see. I love it. All right. Bye for my mom. <laughs> sounds good, Brett. <laughs> um, your favorite school memory was Christmas vacation. Was it? Uh, yeah. Which, when? What, what year? So that would have been, you know, you would have been 11. That would have been like 93. Wow. You're good at math, man. I 92, math. 92, 93. Um, what grade were we? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Oh, shit. So that uh, probably would have been like 93, 94. Yeah. 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 I, it's, not, it's not my favorite memory. I was, I was trying to keep it, I trying keep to keep it quiet light. on some things. I, I probably had some secret crushes that, you know, oh, I got to sit next to so-and-so. That was actually probably closer to what the well, memory was. Well, Mike, the good thing the is. attention. The good thing is in this book, the good thing in this book, this book's littered with like hearts that I used to draw around girls. So in this, in this Shady Grove book, it it fits. Yeah. And I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. That's funny. Shady Grove. My God. Look at how skinny I am, man. Yeah. You don't look, well, you know what it is too. You, I feel like you've had the buzz cut. You've had the buzz cut for so long to see with just like regular jet black hair. Yeah. I used to have hair down to my chin. When I was in high school, I had hair down my, my chin. I threw See, I it out. I don't even remember. And then, like, that. when I went to the military, I shaved it off. And it's all I do now because I don't want to pay for a haircut. I take that money and I put it in the stock market instead. You there know? you go. Save some money. Yeah, hell yeah. Mike, where can uh if, if people wanted to wanted to look at your art, buy your art, where can right. they do that? Just Google my name. Just Google my name. That'll pop up. When I Google it, it's like the first thing that pops up. It's okay. all of it. Um so copy and paste Mike's name from this episode and put it into Google. And if you're interested in some, I'm not kidding you, just unbelievable art. He's being modest about it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to be doing some weird stuff coming up, but it's going to be fun. And like, that's what's kind of important to me right now. You know what I mean? I need to make it, I need to be, go back to fun. Mm-hmm. And then I have a couple series I'm working on. Um, Faces of the Fearless, where we're taking women. Right. And uh, really trying to make them look powerful and strong because I feel like women need more positive, like role models and heroes. Like, for example, when you ask a woman, who's your who's your hero? Right. A lot of them, they, they don't say back other females. Right. A lot of them don't. Right. If you ask a, a dude, who's your hero? Nine out of 10 times, at least, at least it's going to be a dude. Mm-hmm. Right. It's never going to be a woman. 
right? So what I want to do is I want to try and change that a little bit. I want to try to give women more, you know, female, um, you know, female heroes to look up to and at least try to find women that are kicking ass and taking names right now and trying to legitimize them through the artwork and through a series. And I think that that's going to be powerful. I think that's going to be strong. I think there's going to be some cool stuff with that. With that being said, I have the Namaste series where if if somebody becomes a friend with me on Facebook at some point in your life, I'm going to do a piece of artwork for you. It's going to happen. Just like kind of be okay with that because when it does happen, I don't want to have to surprise you or I don't want you to be surprised at me because I did warn you. Yeah, <laughs> and it if you chose not to listen, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. I, 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 I like to do, you know, I like to do the art. It's, yeah. it's my way of sharing a piece of me to you guys. And it's beautiful, dude. You know, this is fun. This Thanks. is great. I appreciate it. Mike, thank you for just like being so honest and open and, and sharing your life and, and really just being down to like get into like some of the, the nitty gritty and nuance of, you know, feelings and life and growing up that, you know, vulnerability that I, I think, especially for guys, that's important. It's, yeah. That's for, important. for men, I say guys, yeah. but let's be honest, you know, for men to yeah. talk about with each other, it's not all the time. And it's, I don't get this deep with other, with other men on the podcast, but There's it's nice to like stuff like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It, yeah. It's nice to, you know, be able to share those vulnerabilities and commonplace and even like challenge each other on some things and, and, you know, just have a, just such, such a cooler understanding of, of who you were and who you are and, um, being okay. And, and not even being okay with that, but just understanding it and accepting it and, you know, an understanding, I guess. Yeah. Uh, understanding is important. You know, just like, like I said, we have, we had a moment of a connection here, Brad. That's a, that's a good thing. We did it. Yeah, hurrah, brother. Hurrah. <laughs> All right. That was Mike Volpicelli. Mike was really fun to talk to. We were talking until like one in the morning and pretty in depth about a lot of topics that I may end up putting up at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya in the future. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast everywhere podcasts happen. Apple, Spotify. I don't know whatever happened to Google, if that's still a thing. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And in two weeks, my guest will be Brian Cho. I actually used to talk to Brian in school. We were acquaintances, but outside of school, again, knew nothing about him. Brian and I will talk about his strict home life, being Taiwanese with our school, having a larger Korean population, and the community outside of the school that he belonged to. Plus Brian's life in the tech space, starting companies, and his new startup. That is it for me. Thanks again to Mike Volpicelli. And I will talk to everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Brian Cho. Later.